Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com. Also, thank you to anybody subscribed to the Sonic Cinema Patreon at patreon.com backslash Cinema. Posted a couple of new things over there this uh, past few weeks. I've got a uh, sum up of the uh, first chapter of my book coming up, as well as a uh, brief audio scene that I actually did in college that I think people will enjoy. So that's patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. Thank you very much for anybody who's uh, subscribing to that. I've been looking forward to uh, this podcast for a few months now, ever since I uh, realized that we could get this group of uh, people together. And uh, not surprisingly, uh, given the subject matter, we have some uh, previous uh, members of the uh, podcast in Ronnie Haynes, as well as Daniel Green. So that alone should tell you what the subject is. But I am so glad to be able to welcome for his first time on the Sonic Cinema podcast. But he's not a, uh, he is a veteran of Sonic Cinema with the uh, Yahoo's with the microphone commentaries we did back in the day. Uh, please welcome uh, David Miles. Uh, hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know there's going to be an intro. <laughs> uh, you, if, if you want to imagine me playing the boys are back in town here, that would be perfectly good because Ron, Dave, and I uh, did the Yahoo's with the microphone commentaries in 2003 going technically up till uh, 2015. We've got a couple that uh, unfortunately... Got lost in a couple. You'll actually be able to uh, hear for the ver- first time at least excerpts of them on the uh, Patreon. Uh, but today we are going to talk about uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi, which um, basically blew the Star Wars fandom into a million pieces uh, in in ways that I still am kind of baffled by. But part of the reason that was so exciting for me to uh, have this lineup of Ron, Daniel, and uh, Dave here for this podcast is because we we basically have two people on each side of the spectrum. So hopefully we'll still end up friends at the end of this. Hopefully we'll still uh, have all of our uh, limbs and uh, digits um, by the end of this. And hopefully we'll be speaking to one another after this. I, I think we will. I, I'm wanting this to be as... Uh, I'm already not speaking to you, Brian. I'm, I'm so wanting this to be as fair uh, to everybody's viewpoint as possible. And so with that, we're going to go ahead and get started. The first thing I wanted to do, I've got a nice little list of uh, sort of sections that I want to break this uh, discussion down into. Uh, the first thing I want to do is allow everybody just a couple of minutes to sort of give a general overview on their personal feelings for The Last Jedi. I I will go ahead and start. I saw it a couple of days before other people saw it um, because of the nature of my job, and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. I thought it was brilliant what Ryan Johnson did. I, I was in tears uh at the end of the movie uh i i did see that ron by the way i i saw well, i don't know what you're talking about I, I saw that out of the side the corner of my eye i'm good with my peripheral vision 
So that the the long and short of it is, and we'll get into more specifics as we go along. I I just thought it was an amazing movie. It was it's easily one of my favorite uh, chapters in the uh, Star Wars franchise. And uh, with that, we'll we'll actually go in a reserve, reverse alphabetical order here. And so let me start with Dave uh, with giving uh, if he would give a just a sort of general overview of how he felt feels about the movie. Yeah, I saw it uh, two or three times in the theater. I can't I can't remember. Um, but uh, but you know I thought the uh, you know I just I just remember being really uh, overwhelmed by the technical aspects. I thought it was one of the best looking movies I've seen, and certainly the best looking Star Wars movie. Um, and uh, you know, but I, I definitely had uh, issues with the story. It didn't it didn't I didn't feel quite as engaged. I definitely felt. There were some frustrations just story-wise, um, you know, uh, like that the, the type of story that was being done has been done before, and it's been done better. And so, I, you know, and I was like, how are we getting this big movie and this story that doesn't really quite seem to be up to the technical aspects of it? But anyway, um, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not one of those people that really hates the movie, um, but I am one of them that is just kind of disappointed by it. Okay. Uh, so with that, we'll go to uh, Ronnie Haynes. Well, should we go like with someone who likes it next and then someone who's, uh, you know... Well, you know, we're going reverse. I'll yeah, I figured. I figured so okay, you're next. Okay, and then well, Daniel will finish. Okay, off. well, my initial thoughts on the movie are that, you know, I mean, I'm not going to be as eloquent as Dave, I don't think, but all, all, I, all, I, all I remember really is, you know, walking out of... Walking out of uh, um, Force Awakens, and just not being able to—I couldn't—I couldn't wait until I couldn't wait until the next chapter, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I have to wait two years," you know. And I saw I saw Force Awakens, I think I think three or four times in the theater, you know. That's that's how much that's how, that's just how much I loved it, and that's how much I was engaged by it, and I just thought JJ did a phenomenal job with you know, say what you will about it being a you know copy cut and paste of uh, New Hope. I mean, those 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 uh, those comparisons are clearly there, you know, in spades. But you know, it's like, but Force Awakens knew what kind of movie it was, and I'm going to try not to. I'm not going. I'm going to try not to dwell too much on Force Awakens, even though I've mentioned about ten times already when we're supposed to be talking about New uh, Last Jedi. But honestly, walking out of Last Jedi, um, the first time I saw it twice in the theater. And just not being that excited about what was going to come next, mm-hmm. you know, just just like thinking like, well, that was that was a movie, you know, and like like feeling not feeling too much beyond that. I feel like I think there's like I I still to this I still to this day think there's like maybe two parts in the whole in the whole movie that felt like it was actually Star Wars to me, and then the rest of it did not feel at all anything like a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, Dave's telling me to wrap it up, and I'm. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but yeah, I just my initial thoughts will I think come out as the podcast as the you know as as the podcast happens. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, again, I like Dave. I didn't I didn't hate the movie, but I was I was I was I was pretty disappointed by it. So. With that, with that being said, I think we'll we'll give it over to uh, to Daniel to uh, for his for his initial thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so I saw it twice in theaters as well, um, only because I didn't have time to go see it more. But uh, I honestly loved it. I thought it was a great movie. Um, I think the the thing that really happened was uh, for me, you know, the first the beginning sequence there was like the greatest space battle I think we've seen in all of the Star Wars movies so far, uh, both in terms of the the choreography of it as well as well as the uh, the visual aspects of it. Um, but I really enjoyed the. Uh, I, I think every, Ryan Johnson just threw us in the water when the the first sequence where you see. Ray walk up to Luke and hand the lightsaber, and he looks at it, and then I think Ryan Johnson there just said, "You guys, do you think you know everything? You know, you think you know who Snoke is and who Ray is?" And he just, mm. just like Luke Skywalker threw the lightsaber back. That's exactly what Ryan Johnson did too. Is you think you know Star Wars? You think you know what's going to come next based on two previous trilogies and and what this movie should be being the second in the movie. And I'm just going to throw you guys a curveball, and <laughs> you have no idea. And and from that point on, I think the whole movie was like you were just. To me, I was on the edge of my seat, wondering like, what is next? And you know, after several different sequences throughout the movie, you're still like, did that just happen? Like, is mm-hmm. it what? And you, you're just left with, like, I'm left with what's what's gonna happen in nine? Like, because there's so many different stories and angles you can go with. And then obviously, you know, with the passing of Carrie Fisher and how they did not write her off in this movie, which leaves a bigger question of like, what is next? But I, I, th- I think that the beginning was awesome in terms of it's Star Wars. Here's the first battle sequence. It blows you away. And then you meet Luke and Ray, and his first words are still nothing. He just throws a lightsaber <laughs> his shoulder, and and you know that kind of just sets you up for the entire movie. You think you know it, and Ryan Johnson proved everybody wrong, <clears throat> and mm. you don't know it. And now you've got two sides of the story. You have people that love it, thinks it's the greatest Star Wars movie, and you have people that really hate it and think it's one of the worst Star Wars movies, both in terms of the story and and where it's going. So mm. yeah, I, I was all for it. Okay, well, from those introductions, you'll obviously be able to see that the the reason I liked having this pairing here other than the fact that it was a finally a chance to bring uh, David in David on the uh, podcast was because of the fact that two of us here really loved the movie two of us here didn't and it actually kind of brought to mind our first uh, commentary for Yahoo's with a microphone when we did the Sam Raimi's Spider-Man where Ron and I were on different sides of the spectrum, and Dave, we jokingly brought in as sort of the person to make sure that we didn't kill each other doing, during the record. But the thing that I love about Dave and bring him in on, and the thing that I think the three of us have always been able to do is really be able to, we each end up having different opinions on the movie, and we each... And with very few exceptions, uh, we all have our issue, our respective issues with the movies. And so that's part of the reason why I was really excited to have Dave in here. So be, now that you know sort of generally how we all feel about the movie, um, I want to turn it over a little bit to Ron and Dave to sort of get their opinions on what they liked about the movie. Because uh, I think it's safe to say that Daniel and I like basically everything about the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are things that we uh, have issues with, certainly. But seeing as though Ron and Dave don't have the same affection for the movie as we do, I'm kind of curious as to what you guys have that you like about the movie that maybe we can find common ground on before we get into the specifics of the story and what Ryan Johnson is doing with the movie. Well, I'm glad you asked that, Brian. <laughs> no, I, I was saying earlier in my introduction that um, 
there may be two or three moments that really genuinely legitimately feel like a, feel like star Wars to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one being, I think what's the obvious one. I think we all agree on is the scene with Yoda. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one, the other one being uh, that, that part at towards the end when the millennium Falcons flying through the salt mines and they're, they're playing that cue from new hope yeah. when they're, uh, when they're fighting off the tie fighters after they've escaped the, the death star yeah. that like, I Brian, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but like I was, you were sitting next to me in the theater when we first saw it, and I was like, I was like applauding like a seal. I was like, ur, ur, ur. it was like yeah, it's Star Wars. <laughs> um, but that those are the only two scenes that like legitimately felt like Star Wars to me. The rest of the movie didn't like this thing. I, I know I'm, I need to focus on the, the question is what did I like, and I mean like the the visual effects are beautiful. Um, I watched it on your 4K TV just the other day and thought, oh my, like this thing. I, I was watching it with the uh, Ryan Johnson commentary and thinking, and so that kind of gave me an opportunity to focus on the visuals, mm-hmm. and the visuals are amazing. Yeah. Like, like you know, like the the, the, the effects are, are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the John Williams score is is is. Uh, although I do I do feel like a lot of the score. Was a, a little derivative of like older school. Like the like, the, there's only a couple scenes I really remember thinking, "Oh, that's some original music." Like mm-hmm. like the Canto Bite scene. Yeah, you know that. But but you know, and but in general, the the John Williams score is is amazing. Um, I do think it's I do think it's like I, I told you this the other day. I do think it's a competently directed movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's for the most part it's a well acted movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. The, this, this, you could tell this was made by people who cared about the product. You know, right. this isn't like you know, th- this wasn't made by people who are out of touch, mm-hmm. like the prequels were. You know, it's like this was made by this was made by people that like w- set out to make a a competently made movie, and I I recognize that every time I watch it, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's it's not it's it. The movie just ended up not being my cup of tea, you know. Okay. So, all right. If that, if I was to say that, that's that's basically what I have. To, that's basically my answer to that question. It's like what I what did I like, and that's okay. So, Dave, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I I can just echo a lot of what you said, Ron. Um, and 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 you too, Daniel. I mean I I really liked actually the the space battle at the beginning. I thought that was I thought that was fantastic. Um, I I you know I was a little put off by. Um, the the initial thing with uh, what's the name Hux, Hux the, 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 yeah the, the, that initial exchange kind of uh, it, it felt I mean I, I, I know it was funny and it, it was funny and I did laugh oh the thing with Hux also, and uh, Poe yeah, yeah yeah but but it, it like, also okay felt, I'll hold felt a little a little cheesy you tall know? pasty guy um, yeah. but uh, but 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 um, you know but besides that uh, you know and I, I definitely think the movie was probably its best looking although it was really great looking throughout um, during that. Um, during that space battle scene as well, uh, and, uh, and and the score, uh, you know, yes, so, uh, parts of it definitely did sound a little derivative, but um, I, I thought it was rocking the entire time, mm-hmm. and, and and when it needed to hit emotionally, it definitely did, uh, and uh, and yeah, so and yeah, I mean, you know, the, the the problem, you know, even if you don't like the story for the movie, I think you know a lot of people have a problem because it's just so it's so well done, it's so well executed visually, it's so well 
acted, um, you know, so and like directed like, and, and directed. Yeah. So, so like, like Ron was saying, you know, these, these, these are people who came in to make a very crisp blockbuster movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, and it is, that's, you know, it just is, you know? Yeah. Um, so, 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 so the technical aspects are definitely kind of my favorite parts. Um, you know, in, ter- in terms of story, I'm not sure if there's any one particular story beat um, that, that, you know, really stuck out to me that, that I really liked. Um, it was more like there's one, if they had done something, which we'll probably talk about later, maybe that would have been what I really liked, but they kind of missed an opportunity to do something. So there's not, no, there's not a particular story element that I liked, but um, in terms of everything else, the technical aspects, that's what I really liked. Okay. Um, Daniel, do you have anything to add before we uh, really start getting to the nitty-gritty? About things that I liked on it, or maybe since I loved it a lot, maybe a few things I didn't like about it. <clears throat> well, I mean, we can, we can, if, I mean, if there's uh, something that doesn't necessarily have to do with uh, some of the specifics, I mean, if there is something technical or uh, that maybe just didn't really work for you. So, one of the things that uh, I didn't like, and there's very, very few, but it was the, the first time I saw it was the, the sequence where, uh, Leia and the entire bridge get shot out in space. Right. And, and honestly, I mean, I, I love that part in terms of we finally got to see her use, like, the Force abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and reading the book, too, like, uh, leading up to that scene in the book, like, she's using the Force trying to find Luke um, in the sequence where she's in her chamber by herself before she goes to the bridge. Uh, she's starting to concentrate on what's going on around the ship before she's looking for her brother. Um, and then she goes to the bridge once they pull out of hyperspace and then, you know, the alarms go off because the, the First Order all of a sudden pops up. And then the sequence leading up to Kylo Ren, you know, about to pull the trigger to destroy the bridge, and he mm-hmm. doesn't. It's actually his uh, wingmates that do. And so, like, from from watching the movie and then even reading the book, like, I enjoy, like, getting that sensation of she's about to use the Force. Like, you could feel it going on. But what I didn't like was the visual aspect of once she is in space... Yeah, and she's kind of like sparkling, almost like a vampire, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then then her eyes open up. It's not good. <laughs> no, and then and then and then you do see her, you know, like stick out her hand and like pull herself back into the ship, yeah. like you know, and, and we've seen the memes, Mary Poppins and stuff like that, right? 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 right. Yeah. yeah. I, I made I made a point of sharing every one of those that I found <laughs> with you guys. So, but like to me, like. I, I loved, I got the feeling of she was going to use the force. We're finally going to see her use the force. And I felt that emotion there. Mm-hmm. But then they lost me with the visual side of it was really rough. I mean, you can right. clearly tell with CG. It, it was poorly, yeah. in my mind, poorly executed CG. Mm-hmm. Um, you could see the background was really not there. Yeah. And, and, you know, just her opening her eyes and sticking her arm out. <clears throat> and then, you know, like sucking herself back in. And, and not and who's to say that she actually sucked herself back in and didn't bring the ship to her? You know, like let's go with you know. That's <laughs> a, that's Star, well, that's Starkiller here. I kind of enjoy that aspect. You know, going back to Legends, but that was actually one of the the big highlights that I did not like in the movie was. And I walked out of it telling my wife, I'm like, yeah, like that sequence. I can see so many fans being so upset with not only like how she lived in space and brought yeah. herself back in. Right. Um, That's know, just a very controversial scene, period. Yeah. With, 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 the, with a lot of people. We're I, actually about to get to in the next okay, couple. Okay. Yeah, okay. We talked about that specifically. <laughs> but the fact of the matter... But no, the fact of the matter is, it's like, I will say, I do agree with you that the technical... The, I, I'm, I'm with you, Daniel. I love the... I love that from an emotional standpoint because like you, I'm excited about the fact that it's she's using the force but at the same time from a technical standpoint it is i and the thing is the frustrating thing about it is i don't know how they could have done better i don't know what they could have done to do it better 
Should they have just killed Leia off? Well, and we're going to get obviously. To that. I guess we're going to get to that. So, so let's let's actually go ahead and get to that because yeah. the the next topic I wanted to bring up is Luke and Leia because they are the primary uh, characters still held over from the original trilogy. You have Chewbacca, you have R two D two, you have C three. Wait, Chewbacca and R two D two are in the movie? Sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. No, no, that's that's true. I because I I I do agree with you that Chewie kind of gets hosed in this movie. As does R two, but that's I think that's more but me than you. I, I feel like quality over quantity for R two D two, so I kind of disagree with. It's R two freaking D two. But the stuff he does in the sequel he has one goddamn is scene. Important. I'm just. It is important. But it bugs that bugs me. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. But let's discuss. <laughs> Luke and Leia for a second. And let's actually start with Leia because obviously this is the, unfortunately this is the last uh, film for Carrie Fisher because she passed away uh, shortly after Rogue One start, Rogue One came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, as Ron has already alluded to and Daniel has already alluded to, they didn't kill off the character. They, they Ryan Johnson kept her arc intact from what it was going to be from had she lived and what we know from articles that have already come out as far as episode nine and her what after math of her death is that she was supposed to have a significant role in episode nine mm-hmm. um so the question and ron posed a really good question that whether she should have died in that scene whether ryan johnson should have sort of I don't know I mean it's well that's the thing that's the thing I'm, I'm about this one of my issues about this movie is like it seems like it's um what's the term where they're they're altering you know your perception of what's going to happen but only but uh, you know it seems like this movie all this movie ever did was just alter your you know your your expectations right simply for the simply for simply to simply to alter your expectations not for any reasons that are organic to the story right you know does that make sense that makes sense like this movie like so much somewhat this movie seemed like it was one big dog and pony show of like one thing after another of what you know like there's the the other big elephant in the room with this when it comes to this stuff is the death of snoke you know and like which we'll get to which well yeah i'm sure we'll get to but like that's thing like this movie just seems like all it ever did was alter your, you know, alter your expectations just simply for the, you know, just... A shock factor. Yeah, a shock factor. Okay. Thank you. Um, That's, you know... the What I will say as to your question as to whether it would have been better off to kill Leia in that moment, I think the problem that will have arisen with that is that there's so much in the second half... Say after Carrie Fisher died... Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy and everybody agreed Leia should die at the end of this movie. And then, because let's be honest, they had already filmed the movie. They were already into post-production. John Williams was writing the score mm-hmm. last December. Mm-hmm. Uh, the December Carrie Fisher died. So if you make that decision, well, that will be how she dies. Is And it's natural to the story the problem is you have to reshoot everything else involving the character. 
And that's a significant amount of the second half of the movie. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So I don't think there's any way you couldn't, unless you were going to kill her off in that scene in the first place, there's no feasible way to really make that work while also not just completely altering the shape of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I think, um, you know, I, I think the right, cho- honestly, I think the right choice was made to keep her alive. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I honestly, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be people that have issues with it, but, you know, if they decide to have another actor play her um, in, in the next movie, let's say, I'd be totally fine with that. Like, I was already thinking, like, you know, that's actually totally fine with me. You know, yeah, they're, I mean, they're yeah, already yeah. talking Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah. No, well, that, that's a no, rumor. No, I no, have no, a feeling. No, no, I was actually actually surprised with my reaction to that. You know, I was I was like, really, Dave? You would be okay with that? I was like, yeah. yeah I'd be okay with that. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's still kind of surreal for me to think I'd be okay with that. But, yeah. But, um, but, but yeah, and but just because uh, cause I talked about the visuals being so beautiful, you know, but just, just to mention. Well, there, there. There was a whole thing about like, will will it be another actress? Will let's see, like it was it was established very early on that they weren't going to recreate her in the computer or anything. Yeah, like right, right, right. And 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 you know, I just wanted to say that I also felt that her scene where she got, you know, when she was flying back in Mary Poppins style was, you know, I'd mentioned this the movie looks so beautiful and it, you know that part does not. Yeah, <laughs> I mean but that is that, that is, is but that is something we all agree. On. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's, that is something we that all agree. That does on. not work. Yeah, that yeah, visual yeah. does not yeah. work. So, so, so you know, if they tried to recreate her in the computer, and that was they were that was what they were going to come up with. You know, please no. You know, um, but uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think personally the correct choice was made to keep her alive, and personally I wouldn't mind someone else acting. You know, you know, but but I know that that would be a good a big deal. Yeah, it would be a big deal. I yeah. I. And, and I'm still is, wrapping my head around that myself. And, and the fact of the matter is, it's like, I, I think that is, with a character that iconic, with a character that much associated with that actor, I really don't think Lucasfilm would do that. I do think that will I do think that they're going to, that episode nine is going to start with, either acknowledging General Leia dying during the opening crawl, or we, like, start off in at her funeral. I have a feeling it's going to be in the crawl. Because mm-hmm. I completely understand, like Dave, I understand why they kept her alive. And it's a... It, especially when you consider the way Ep- Last Jedi ends, with basically, you're going... Episode 9 is going to be, like the big battle between the biggest battle yet between the the resistance is going to get replenished with people around the galaxy the first order the it's basically going to be sort of the movie i always kind of hoped episode two would felt like episode two should have been which was like a big clone wars movie except this one time it's going to be at the end of the series and you're going to see this big battle and leia was going to be the general leading that battle and because of the fact that so much of i mean and this is one thing i don't necessarily care for in the movie it's like they they hammer it home like three or four times with the idea of you know we're the spark that lights the hope of the rebellion poe says it i don't know how many times 
And it's like, we get it. We understood the first time. You don't need to keep saying it and saying it or find mm-hmm. a different way to say it. I understand the sentiment. I understand why they, why that was an important part because that's the whole, that's part of the whole point is the fact that the, the resistance is at its very weakest moment. Like, the resistance is this close to being snuffed out throughout the majority of that movie. So I like the idea that Leia was going to be basically the leader, still remain the leader of the resistance, and she was going to pass that on to the next generation. I have a feeling that's what we will have seen in episode nine had Carrie Fisher lived, but with her death, I do think that they're probably going to acknowledge. I do think we're going to see a significant jump ahead in time of several years, probably, Mm -hmm where J.J. Abrams is going to acknowledge in the crawl that General Leia passes away, has passed away. But the spirit of the uh, Resistance remains, and the Resistance actually is continuing to go against the First Order. So I, uh, for me, I I didn't feel emotionally connected like she should die in that sequence, in that scene. Like, I was watching, I was like, she can't die. This this is too easy. The movie just started. She dies right now. This doesn't make any sense. Like, so... I, I didn't have that emotional connect of, oh, this is it, she's dead, you know. Uh, you know, obviously, Akbar died, and people are up in arms about him dying and how it was, like, not serviceable to him. He's this supposedly this heroic character that, truthfully, has less than a minute of airtime in The Return of the Jedi anyways and <laughs> The Force Awakens combined. Granted, he's huge in the books and the, the expanded universe, but, like, you know, you killed him off quick, that's cool. I, I, I felt like it was fine, but, like, her, her character couldn't die there. It just made no sense. Um, you mm-hmm. know, and... and to me, I thought, you know, obviously the, the movies revolved around, you know, the resistance is the spark of hope. Uh, but to me, I actually felt the whole movie that it actually wasn't the resistance was a spark of hope, that it was Leia was the resistance. She was yeah. the spark of hope for the resistance. Yeah. And her spark of hope was left in Luke. And mm. like she's trying to find Luke to help bring him back into the fight to help even out the playing field. And so I didn't really get that the resistance was ever a spark of hope. I just got that these two siblings, the the Skywalker siblings of Leia and Luke, they were the spark. If these two characters died, then so did the resistance. Yeah. And, you know, we'll probably get into Luke's character later. Uh, but, you know, obviously I enjoyed the fact that she did survive completely till the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't so much shocked. As the movie progressed, I wasn't shocked anymore that they didn't kill her off yet. Um, and then when she actually did survive at the end, you know, we see the end sequence of everybody in the Falcon and, and she's there. And I was like, you know, th- this is good. I mean, I don't envy J.J. Abrams and how they're going to figure this part out. Uh, but <laughs> I was okay with, you know, her living and surviving yeah. uh, with it. And, you know, and, and I'm not for recasting it, honestly. Um, to me, Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia is one person. It will always be one person. And the idea of trying to recast somebody to take on this mantle that she created and, and has filled for, you know, obviously 40 years at this point. Like, I just don't think it's possible. I mean, and, and yeah. Meryl Streep is a great actor, and I could see her trying to be a Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher, but I don't think that it could be done. I think mm-hmm. that George Lucas, or not George, Lucas Films, I think that they are, are best in finding a way to write her out and write her out appropriately. Don't just say she died in a fight and that's it. You know, yeah. like, like something. Or she died peacefully. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is, she doesn't have to die yeah. in a fight, but I mean, she, you know, she could just die. And one theory I think I read recently was the idea that. The time and space basically takes because she ends up in a coma. Right. When when after she gets back to the ship, so I mean that's going to 
that's going to take years off of her life anyway. I mean, what we know about, and not to get into actual science with regards to Star Wars, because I feel like the people who have gotten into re- bashing how scientifically accurate Star Wars is, it's like, dude, you're you're watching a science fiction adventure. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, there's no sound in space. You do realize that. And so, you know, what we do know from space is even even if you aren't exposed, you know, the way she was, it's like the amount of time you, the more time you spend in space, the more time comes off of your life and you, your body does degenerate. So the idea that her, her body would have after effects of that is, is legitimate. And I do think that that's, that's something that gives them a way to write her out in a way that's respectful. And I, I think I think part of the reason why people probably brought up the fact that Carrie Fisher or that the idea of Meryl Streep playing the role was because of the fact that she played essentially Carrie Fisher in uh, the movie based on Carrie Fisher's book Postcards from the Edge, which was about her real life, her life with uh, her mother, Debbie Reynolds. And so I think that's probably part of the reason why people thought, oh, Meryl Streep could play Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Like. Which okay, that's kind of fun, but at the same time, it's like no, I, I'm I'm with you. Where it's like, I'm I'm sure they'll figure out a way to write her off respectively, and they'll find a way to uh, do episode nine around that. But because of this, now should they have kept Luke alive? Well, and but the thing is, See, that's that's the things like I don't I don't Dave. See, where, sorry, before we get to Luke, because that's that's the next big topic i will say if carrie fisher were still alive this conversation would not be happening nope so the question is if carrie fisher were still alive to film nine would we be debating whether she would we be debating as much whether her character should have died in this movie and my answer is no Mm. i i don't think we would be because she would still be around for the next movie so um, that's, I mean, that's basically how, that's basically what I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go on to the other Skywalker sibling and Luke. Luke Skywalker is my favorite movie character of all time. And the funny thing is, The Last Jedi kind of solidified that for me. And I know there, I know the quotes that Mark Hamill has had about the character about the way he felt Ryan Johnson wrote the character and how he disagreed with basically everything Ryan Johnson had Luke do. (coughs) But the fact of the matter is it's like, I, the more you think, the more you think about the breadcrumbs that force awakens gives you about Luke, the more sense it makes. I feel that he is the character that he is. In Last Jedi. I don't think Luke should have been such a recluse. You know what I mean? I don't think he should have. I don't think Luke could have been that removed from. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think he could have. Been, I don't think he should have been that removed a character, uh, personally. And um, I don't think he should have been killed off either. But that's that's a, that's a whole other discussion. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, otherwise, I I I do remember being. I do remember being drawn in by Mark Hamill's performance. Yeah. I do think I do think it's a solid performance. Again, going back to 
when Dave and I were saying what we liked about the movie, um, you know, again, the performances were, were good and, and Mark Hamill's not being, not being the exception. Yeah. You know, I, you know, that's, that's the thing. Like he, he, you hear him, you hear him say this in the documentary that like he says, he, t- he tells Ryan Johnson, I fundamentally disagree with everything you, 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 every way you've interpreted this character. That being said, I'll give you 110% no matter what. And he does, and uh, and that comes through in the performance. That comes through in that section of the movie with him and Ray. Yeah, and it's and it's a uh, it's about as compelling as it can be. I think with again with with the limitations I think that were put on on the character of Luke. I you know that that's the things like I kind of went into this movie expecting like oh this is gonna be this is gonna be super compelling just like it was with with Yoda and Luke yeah. in Empire. Yeah. You know what I mean like. Mm-hmm. It's, I thought, I thought like, oh, this is such a cool location for them to be training. I love the character of Ray, you know, and I, and I was so excited to see what they were going to be doing with Luke in, the, in this in this next chapter and everything like that. But um, I ended up ultimately being underwhelmed with that aspect of this section of the movie. Okay. Uh, personally, um, I'm not sure how Dave feels about th- that stuff. I mean, again, again, like you know, Luke Mark Hamill is giving that perform giving. Like there, there was even talk of like Mark Hamill even being nominated for this at one point before the movie yeah. even came out. Yeah. I was like, and I can kind of see, you know, with the exception of towards the end, like when Luke faces down with Kylo Ren on crates. I have some issues with that part. I have some issues with with how Luke is handled in that scene, but for the most part, the training stuff it was it was interesting enough. But then. But at the exact same time, it wasn't Luke and Yoda in, in Empire, right? By any means, but anyway, I don't know if any, I don't know if Dave yeah, has. Yeah, I remember watching after Last Jedi. I remember watching. Um, I don't even know why, but um, Star Wars clips on YouTube and seeing the um, the Yoda Luke part um, uh, from you know the original trilogy and mm. being like, oh, you know, this is this is a. Just in, in every way, this is night and day better, you know. In terms, in terms of just like it was, it was, a, it was like a real emotional moment that that, that that's being had, uh, and and Yoda's so totally compelling there, and it's just like you know, this is this is awesome in comparison to what well, wasn't bad, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, so, but but, yeah. but I mean, it's just it was just nowhere near, just even I guess just even in terms of writing, it was it was it was nowhere near um, what what it was in the original trilogy. You know that that specific tra- training sequence. Um, and, and, you know, that's, I, I almost feel sometimes that, you know, uh, Ryan Johnson, he just, his ambition almost wasn't misplaced, but his skill level wasn't quite up to doing, executing what, what, what he wanted to do, you know, from, from, from an emotional standpoint, you know, he almost, he, he definitely felt for me, Zack Snyder-esque in, in, in ways, you know, like let the past die, right? And people always quote that, but it's like. He's basically just trying to explain to you kind of what he's doing. Like that's that's kind of what Zack Snyder does. He kind of just hits you over the head and says, yeah. "This is this is why I'm doing this in in dialogue, right?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, but 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 yeah, just getting back to Luke. Um, yeah, I, I think um, I, I think recluse him being a recluse was fine. Um, I, I do I do feel that it was maybe a little bit over the top, but only because it, it felt like. He sort of substantiated more, given more reason as to why he was so, so reclusive. He he kind of did. Maybe maybe for me it just didn't wasn't explained that that well. Maybe maybe some different dialogue would would have helped. 
but it felt over the top only because he didn't substantiate why 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 he was there in in in, in a way that was well communicated to me at least. Yeah, well here's the thing. Here's the thing about Luke, okay? In Force Awakens, Han Solo says he went off to find the last Jedi temple. And then and then you then you meet up with him in, in the last Jedi and he's like I came here to die. You know, and like that's that's such a that's such a that's such a drastic um, difference between what what you expected of what you know right what you expected and what you got. Mm-hmm. So again, there there just there there are I think Dave and I do just have some I think we have some legitimate issues with with the way Luke's character was handled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and again, a lot of mine just focuses on, on the training scenes. I was just—I just hope there would be more. You know, it would just be cooler. You know, but but you know, <laughs> but yeah. But Danny. Uh, so so for me, like, I view this. So you know, we go into this training scene with Luke and Ray, and honestly, he he says, "I'll train you. I'll give you three reasons on why the Jedi should die." He never once said, "I'm going to give you three reasons on how to make you a better Jedi or how to go out and defeat the darkness." Or his whole thing was, "I'm going to teach you why the Jedi need to die." So to me, it wasn't, I, I actually didn't really view it as training. Um, so I have a little bit of different perspective because I love the, the Luke and Yoda from Empire Strikes Back. And there's a lot of similarities between Yoda and Empire and Luke and The Last Jedi. They both are recluse. They both ran off. You know, obviously Yoda couldn't defeat the, the Sith, you know, uh, uh, Darth Sidious Emperor Palpatine, and he runs off into hiding. Um, you know, kind of same thing where, where Luke had, you know, obviously it's not that he couldn't defeat something. He went off into hiding. It was... He was ashamed of what had happened, and then he also, mm-hmm. you know, he, he let Leia down, he let himself down, he let the, you know, the, the New Republic down by, again, allowing the Sith to rise again, you know, because he saw in the future, and, and, you know, you can't quite stop the future, although the future is always in motion, so you don't really know what is true and what's not, but, you know, I got this was he was in recluse because he was ashamed of what had happened, he couldn't be there to stop it, you know, he couldn't kill his own nephew right there, he, he had a moment where he thought he could, but he couldn't. So how is he going to stop his nephew now going into what's in the future? And so I think that, you know, he was going to look for the last temple. You know, in The Force Awakens, you know, Han says he went to go look for the, the, the first temple. The first oh, yeah, the fir- that's right, the first yeah. temple. Yeah. That's the first right. temple. That's right. But I think he was looking for the first temple to die, to yeah. be the last Jedi to die at the first temple. So to me, the, the recluse there was great. Um, you well, know, gee, that's it, it uplifting. Had, it had <laughs> 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 that's, that's, that's such um, a... <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean, it, to me, it wasn't really he was training Ray. He was teaching Ray on why the Jedi had to die. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing, too, is, you know, we only saw two of the training seat, the, the, the lessons, not training seat, yeah. but the lessons. Mm. The third lesson, which is in the deleted scenes, it's also in the book, was, uh, you know, he, he told Ray that the caretakers of the island there were, you know, once a month they get attacked by these barbarians from across the sea. And, and you know, see, she, see she's, she sees this ship coming and he's telling her this story. She's like, well, we have to do something. We have to go solve them. And he's like, no, no, because if you stop them now, they'll just come back in greater forces, or you need to be here next month to stop them. She's like, but we just can't stand around and do nothing. And he's like, yes, we can. And so she's running down the hill and everything like that. You see in the deleted scenes, it's it's like a ten minute segment. It's actually really well choreographed. Yeah, I think I see, don't they show some of those in like like the 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 TV spots for like when the movie first came out, like her running with a lightsaber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's actually in the deleted scene. Yeah. So, but so and that that training, I think, and I. I kind of wish it was in the movie because it means a lot because, you know, if you think about it, so the entire prequels was Jedi running into battle to control the, you know, to lead the clone armies, to defeat the bad guys, the Separatists, mm-hmm. you know, trying to figure out who the Sith are. You know, the whole time they're running into battle, but they're not thinking about the consequences of what are they doing. So 
yeah, they're going to defeat something here, but the Separatists pop up over here. So then they run over here, and they defeat the Separatists here, but then they pop up over here. Mm. And then what happens is planets are, are you know, uh, people, cultures, and, and planets are leaving the, the Republic at the time to join the Separatists because the Republic can't defeat them or can't protect them, but the Separatists are. So it was just mm. kind of this, the Jedi up to this point have just always run into battle. And Ray had the same mentality. Luke had the same mentality in the Empire. He left his training early to go save his friends on Cloud City because he saw them dying up there, right? Mm. And so he leaves his training early, and what happens? He loses his arm, right? You know, and almost dies himself. And, you know, they still he just still doesn't save them. Han Solo got frozen carbonite and disappeared, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. So he still mm. didn't, all he did was lose a hand, he, he lose almost a friend. Died. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> so. It, you really, know, I haven't me, seen the movie yet. Can you tell me more? <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was kind of, I enjoyed that, that third lesson of you can't run into battle because are you going to be there tomorrow to still defend them? And that kind of brings on uh, into nine is, you know, like you can't, the good can't always win because there's always going to be bad. You can't always stop the good all the time. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a balance. I mean, there's always going to be a balance of there's got to be enough good to repel enough bad, but there has to be enough bad to keep enough good. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a balancing act and you can't just run into the battle all the time. Well, that's one of the things I absolutely, that's one of the things I love about the way Ryan Johnson wrote Luke in this movie, wrote his arc in this movie. Because he's actually he's actually still making the same mistakes he made in Empire. He's still looking ahead. He's still looking off to the horizon. He's not living in the now. It which is pop psychology in a way, but at the same time, it's very true to what that character has always been. He's always been even with a new hope, he's always he, he's always looking forward to getting away from Lars and Uncle and Emperor. In Empire, he's looking, he, he feels like he needs to help Han and Leia, not realizing that he's not really, he's not ready to be able to do that. And he's not able, he's not going to be able to do that. He almost dies. He almost, the, the, the Jedi are almost, like, he almost screws everything up. Like the bounce will never be put forth if he dies on at Cloud City. And in Last Jedi, it boils down to the same thing. He thought he he thought that Kylo Ren's future was written. He thought he knew what Kylo Ren was going to do. And in moment of weakness, like in Empire, he ran away. He he basically he almost killed his nephew and through that moment where he was ready to and then woke up at that moment and it's it's all based on a misunder it's misreading of a situation. It's a misreading on Luke's part that he feels like Ben's future is already written, and it's a misreading on Ben's part to see that no, when he wakes up when he's woken up, Luke has already stayed his own hand. He's not going to kill Ben at that moment, but that's what Ben thinks. So everything happens at that moment. And yeah, it's like Han, the thing is, yeah, you brought up the fact that Han said, oh, a lot of people thought he went to first the Jedi Temple. It's like, yeah, that's true, which he did, but they don't necessarily know the reason or they don't say the reason. And the thing is, based on what we know of Luke, the fact that he separated the map from R2 to not have that one piece 
that is key to finding him. He wants to be left alone. Yeah, I was completely taken aback because I was expecting another scene like Yoda and Luke in Empire when Ray when Ray went to uh, the island at the end, and you know you get that great moment of her trying to hand him the lightsaber, and then it's like that's what I was expecting with Last Jedi. That's not what I got, and the fact that I didn't get that, and the fact that. In Last Jedi, Luke has the Jedi Order pegged. He realizes that arrogance has always brought down the Jedi. And there's always been a fundamental unbalance in the Force in any of these prequels, in the in any of these trilogies. In the prequels, there's an overabundance of light over darkness to the point where the the light the jedi don't even see the sith coming and in the original trilogy the darkness is taken over over the light and so you you have an unbalanced there with this trilogy it's interesting there you'd not really it feels like the same uh sense the same unbalances in the original trilogy, but is it really? I feel like there's it's still in flux with the force, whether the light side or the dark side is going to win is uh, is still up in the air with the uh, sequel trilogy, and I think that's that's one of the interesting things that uh, I love about what Last Jedi does, and I think it's really uh, it's really brought home in the lessons that Luke. Uh, isn't parting on Ray. Yeah. Anybody? I mean, I know we have a lot to get to, so I, so I want to just keep, keep moving. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, th- I just think that, uh, you know, when I, when, when I saw that Ryan Johnson was doing the movie and then I saw the end product, I was like, well, I mean, you know, he's, just, just in terms of story, I was like, he, he has to be better than this, right? Um, and, and, so, and so, like, I, I kind of I know that he is, but it just, it just wasn't, and 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 you know some some of the things that you were saying, it's like I'm sure that's where that's where his mind was going, but it just wasn't communicated across very well. Like like there's a there's a there's 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 a there's threads that he's drawing on. There's there's a depth to a story there, at least in his mind. Uh, but it just I, I felt he was a little self indulgent, probably more than a little. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, but but it's also there's just something about his execution that 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 just did not communicate it across to me and many and, and many other audience members. You know. Uh, but but I, I don't want to derail us, and I, I know we have a lot to, to get to. No, well, that's fine. One, that's one, fine. one thing I would say is because I, I could agree with you. That, like there are moments where you're like, "Well, this doesn't make sense," or mm. like, "How do we get here?" You know, again, going back to Leia, <laughs> like, "How did she live in space?" Like, that's not possible. But I think you know, if you look at it, and I know Ronnie and I have seen most of the uh, deleted scenes and the commentary, and uh, and and the 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 Jedi and the director. Um, but I think there's a lot in there that will help some people. Because obviously, at the end of every Star Wars movie, there's always questions. There's plot holes. There's issues. There's problems. Mm. And this one obviously is a big one in terms of you got so many people for it against it that this is also the largest one that is not George Lucas directed, where there's a ton and a ton of commentary. Mm. I mean, you literally get to watch the entire movie with Ryan Johnson explaining why he did or what he did or how he came about certain mm. sequences or aspects of the movie, 
as you're watching the movie. So you're literally like watching Space Mountain. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I thought I was going to go with this here. And, you know, the bomber's really cool. And I want to go with World War II sequence of dropping bombs. And it's like you get that. So I, I feel like that if people do go watch, like, literally all the extras, the deleted scenes, the, the Jedi and the director commentary, as well as the Ryan Johnson commentary while you watch the movie, that it'll get help you a little bit more <coughs> in his perspective of what he's trying to execute. And then, you know, some of it still, I, I think there are still some flawed parts of what he went wanted to execute versus what the end product did come out with. So mm-hmm. that, that might help some people. And it still might just open up more cans of worms, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but that, that's kind of my thing is this is literally the largest Star Wars movie we had with all this extra commentary that was not George Lucas, right. know, like THX special edition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 minutes <laughs> yeah. before the movie even starts, you yeah. get George Lucas of why he added all this stuff in, you know, so. Right. But yeah, so definitely check out the deleted scenes and the extras because there's there's a lot of information there too. Plus, read the book because it's good for you. It's great. <laughs> Ron, do you have anything further before we... Uh, well, I, I was just going to say I love Daniel's enthusiasm for like, you know, because Brian, you and I are just as, in, just as into that as Daniel appears to be like, you know, ex- DVD extras. Yeah commentaries and then dad but then daniel goes on to like you know he recommends the book and everything i i love daniel's enthusiasm for the eu like i don't think i don't think there's a i don't think there's a bigger fan in this room of the eu than than daniel i don't i don't think no probably not probably not even i know dave has read Several not nearly, yeah, but not nearly as many. My older brother is more more than I am. Yeah, yeah, not to the extent. Not nearly as many as Daniel, though, yeah. as I'm sure. You know, that's the thing. That's the thing. But and this is a discussion I had with you, Brian, as mm-hmm. after after we had one of our group text discussions with Daniel about. <laughs> Daniel's like, "Oh my God, if you just read the book, oh my, oh my God, seriously, if you just read the book." Did you read the book? <laughs> not no. yet. <laughs> but. Well, and I think one of the things that Ron is uh, getting, getting to, and one of the things that we talked about after that text discussion was the idea is, well, why should I feel like I have to read the book in order to fully understand the movie? Yeah. And I think that's, and I, I remember the first time I really felt that way it wasn't even with a Star Wars property. It was actually with when the Matrix sequels were coming out. Okay. And like you, exactly. And you had the Animatrix, you had the video game, which had all these other layers and stuff like that oh, to yeah. the universe. Yeah. It's like, why should I have to go through all these hoops just to understand a movie? Yeah. Like, that's that's the thing. And it's like, I, I would love to be able to read all of the books and stuff like that. I, so I would I. Don't so would have, I. I don't I, have the attention span. No, I, don't, I mean, I don't either. But no, that, that's, that's true. I mean, I'm always much more of a movie guy. And it's been a while since I've really read a number of books in a row. And so, um, yeah, I mean, the the fact of the matter is, it's like I, I love it even without having read the books, without having seen the deleted scenes. Although what you've said about both of those makes me even more curious to do that because it does seem like there's context in there that probably will have helped the movie. Like what you were saying earlier about Leia before she goes on to the bridge after, before it, the bridge gets blown up. And it's like, that would have been good lead in, you know, if even the slightest bit of that had been added just as a little insert to the movie in the movie, it's like that could have added to 
the weight of what Leia does after the bridge gets blown up. Yeah, here's the thing with Leia and the Force is it's not established well enough. I don't know, like, and that's and that's what I'm getting at with if if a scene like what yeah if what it, Daniel right. was talking about uh, yeah. had been added. Right. It probably will give it some some form. some inkling had been given to me as yeah. as a movie watcher, not as not as not as just a book watcher or book reader, but like some some inkling of of or a hint of something having to do with Leia in the Force right. had been given to me before that scene where I would you know I would have I that scene would have gone down a lot easier. With me, the the Leia, you know, the, the yeah. Leia in space scene, you know, Leia using the Force. I mean, because now it's just because the Force. I'm well, like, the thing is, it's like you, but you have, but the thing is, it's like we have seen Luke and Leia, we have seen Leia use the Force before, or at least been not to the degree where she could save no. herself out in outer space, no, though. That's that's, that's that's true. That's we have not seen her use the Force. No. To that degree, at all prior to no, that is, that is when it comes out of nowhere that, that's in Last true. Jedi. That's absolutely true. The only time we've really seen it up until that point was when Luke is calling out to her at the end of Empire when yeah. he's yeah hanging right. from the bomb of Cloud and that, City. And that 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 did make sense yeah. in the context of that movie. Yeah, that made and it also that, hints at this deeper connection right. that Luke and Leia have. But then we never hear about it or see about it ever again that's until Last Jedi, where it comes out of freaking nowhere. No, that's not true because you. So in uh, Endor on Return of the Jedi, Han Han says to her, I, "I'm sure Luke wasn't on that." And she goes, "He wasn't. I felt it." And he's like, oh, "I'll leave you right. two alone." He's like, "It's not like he's my brother, right?" <laughs> right and right. so you got that. But you also got when Han died in The Force Awakens. Yeah, you know, like right. she she felt it yeah. too. So you you get little breadcrumbs of her feeling the Force, or, or you know she has it obviously. Um, but you're right. She we don't see it at that point in the context of that. And it is actually there is a scene in the Last Jedi before you get to the bridge. She's in her chambers. And that's actually in the book. It's more elaborate. She's in her chambers, and that's what I was referring to. Is she's she's looking out into the the ship. She can feel all the people around her. She can feel the universe, like all the other cultures and other people in the <coughs> universe. She like she feels all these the the entities and stuff. But she's looking for a brother, and that's the, right. the void. And so it it's very there. It's there. It's just again, it wasn't executed well in terms of getting everybody established that she's using the force trying mm-hmm. to find her brother. We don't see that. We just see her. In her quarters, with her hand on her head, or her head, yeah. on, you know, and and then they come out of hyperspace, and then you just go to her slapping Poe on the bridge, you know? yeah. And then yeah. the bridge blows up, and so yeah, so it's definitely she's not using the force in a large degree, but it's there. And again, we don't understand the force. Like, let's just be honest. <laughs> we think we know it, and then we complain. We're like, well, that doesn't make sense. You can't do that. Well, we don't know the force. Like, it's it's all it's everything. It's it's always moving in motion. It, it's mm-hmm. literally in everybody. It's everything. So again, it it. It does kind of, it's one of those where it's hard to say, well, can she do that or can she not do that? Just like, can Luke really do a force projection across the galaxy to trick his nephew? And we'll get into that mm-hmm. later. Yeah. But again, it's, we, we're trying to put understanding to something that we don't understand yet, that we've had 40 years of information in books and comics and movies, TV shows. Yeah. And we still honestly don't understand it. We still question, well, can you do that? Well, mm-hmm. And the answer is they can do whatever the hell they want to do. <laughs> this is Lucasfilms. They're making billions of dollars with these movies. So, <laughs> well, and I I think one of the one of the things that I I think, and Ryan Johnson mentions it in Director and the Jedi, which is the idea that 
he he didn't want the force to feel like a superpower. Right. And he felt he he kind of felt like to a certain extent that's sort of what it had become. Correct. Yeah. And he sort of wanted to bring it back to something more mystical. Something well, more you know that scene where Leia's floating out in space? It, it looks like a superpower to me. I'm just well, or it's and, and or it's executed as a super. It's <laughs> yes, and that's true, and that's that's a that is a problem that we all agree the the movie has okay. from a technical standpoint and from that 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 scene that could have been done better yeah. i don't know how it could have done better but it could have been done better before we get into a larger discussion of the force though <laughs> uh i will say in, in terms of luke and leia the the one scene that they do share in this movie is really what broke me uh in terms of crying during this movie because I it 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 felt like not just a goodbye between the two characters it felt like a goodbye between Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher almost like they felt like they were never going to see each other and have you read that like Mark Hamill is basically considers himself done with these movies now well, and and the fact of the matter is I have read that and honestly like, I get it I kind of get it because Harrison's a, not necessarily going to be in the main more. Harry's gone, and his his character died at the end of Last Jedi. I get it. Yeah, I, I, I was I, I always felt like that these movies, like in The Force Awakens, I felt like okay, we're gonna see all the main characters die, and then we're gonna maybe start something new, and I was totally fine with that. You know, mm. that 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 was always for me. If that was always the plan, I thought that was a good plan. You know, and and that they they can just be done. I mean, Harrison Ford was already done. I'm mean, I, I was yeah. I, I was surprised they even got him <laughs> back, right? Uh, but the, you know, the only way they got him back was that they would kill him off, right? Um, but yeah, so for me, like if that was the plan from the beginning, I thought that was the right plan to go to go with, mm-hmm. k- killing off all the main characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fact of the matter is, I it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that Mark Hamill has said that, and I get it. Yeah. I completely get it because. Totally. The people he started this journey with are basically gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So yeah. I mean, why? I, and his his arc is kind of gone. I would like to see him come back as a Force Ghost in Episode Nine. I, I think I think we might see but, him for like a a, a, a brief right. scene. You know, kind of kind of like Yoda. Yeah. Yoda came back in the Last Jedi. Here, I think he'll come back for a brief scene. Um, well, there, there's why a, would he come back? I mean, at this point in time, we don't even know what the movie's about, where it's going, because yeah. the way it ends. But I, I have a feeling that he'll come back for just a short segment. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, we, you know, and they have brought up the fact that it's like Yoda could be coming back to train Ray as well uh, for episode nine, which I would be fine if that's how they go with it. I would be fine with that too. Um, I, the the fact of the matter <clears throat> is, no, it doesn't surprise me if Mark Hamill's said that and it's like i i feel like a lot of people i feel like a lot of people have taken part of the reason he felt mark hamill felt the need to apologize for what he'd said about ryan johnson's script was the fact that people were using his words as justifications for their issues with the movie mm-hmm. and it's like oh well see mark hamill said this about the movie so it must be no, that's not why he said it. Right. I get why he said it too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think his first reaction was the most honest reaction. Oh yeah, right. Uh, you know, uh, you know, but 
but at the, at the same time, you know, uh, if if I was him, I wouldn't be wanting people to be using that to, yeah, you know, especially if you know I was working for Disney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, so are, are we done with Luke and Leia for the moment? <laughs> I, I think we're well, and I mean we're uh, we're, we're touching do, on we're touching on other things. We're well. we're gonna touch we're gonna touch a little bit more on that because of the them because the next one the next one is let's talk about the nature of the Force in Last Jedi and in the franchise in general. Um, we we've already talked a lot about Leia's relationship with the Force and uh, how it. There, it's been more about feeling something more than actually using it and for the sake of doing something. Uh, and yeah, the fact that matter is, it's like it that 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 is what makes that scene kind of the scene where she floats back to the bridge kind of ridiculous because it's like we haven't really had a build up to that that she's capable of those powers exactly. But at the same time, for me, as somebody who I I was actually excited by it because of the fact that it's like for the first time, we're I I felt like it was it was a fulfillment of something that I didn't necessarily realize that I wanted, which is the idea of Leia using the Force. Um, now, yeah, I can admit from a technical standpoint, it doesn't look great, and it's not. From a narrative standpoint, no, it's not entirely earned, but no. I still had an impact. It still had an impact on me. Um, still had a positive emotional impact on me. Earned is a good way to put it. I that that's a great way to. Well, that that's the way you always put it. Where yeah. It's like, you know, oh well, it wasn't earned. Well, exactly. Like yeah, you yeah, know, I hear that. I hear that a lot from you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean like how Wash's death in uh, Serenity yes, wasn't yes, earned was yes. at all? Out of my mind. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but 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 yeah, you know, I mean, I I think we could spend a lot of time talking about the Force uh, in in general. Um, you, you know, I, I I read a lot of um, fantasy as well, and so you know, magic system is always a big deal there. Uh, and so you know, how do you how do you do magic systems? One one of my favorite authors, uh, Brandon Sanderson. He always comes from a scientific standpoint for his magic system, mm-hmm. where things are very, very well defined. Um, and then you have things like uh, Game of Thrones or um, Wheel of Time, which is more of a, you, you know, there's, there's, there's still rules, but, you know, uh, the, the author feels like they can definitely bend and flex things. And so, uh, you know, and, and so, so, so I go back and forth, you know, I, I, I wonder if, uh, there should be more rules, and I'm I'm sure I haven't read a lot of the books, but you know I'm sure there's maybe been some people that have tried to establish something that feel like rules, yeah. Um, you know, uh, or or try to establish a little bit of a scientific basis. Um, you know, even George Lucas has tried to do that, right? Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, part of it is like you know, the 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 writers can kind of do whatever they do, whatever they want to do, um. But as long as they have a <coughs> feel for, um, you know, kind of what, what still fits. And it's, it's a very kind of a gray area, you know, uh, in, in, terms of, in terms of, like, how far you can go with, it's just magical, you can do anything, you can just blow up planets, you know, yeah. versus, um, you know, it, it, some sort of uh, more, more basic interaction. So, so you know, I, I, I think it's kind of what I... I I want the writers and the directors to be governed by some sort of internal set of taste, if not rules. 
Um, but I'm always uh, excited to see them go different places. And, I, and, and you know, I definitely, just speaking of the layup, I'm like, I, I definitely think that would have been better, you know, and, if, if they had established something beforehand. And I see that almost like n- not even against the force itself. It's more about a storytelling choice, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, was, it was bad storytelling that, that, that led to that sort of a jarring moment rather than she shouldn't have been able to do that with the force or the force shouldn't have been able to keep her alive in space, you know? Okay. Yeah. I'd have to say I agree with Dave on just about every point he made. <laughs> I, no, seriously, no, I'm, I mean, it, it, I'm not trying to get out of. I'm not trying to get out of this thing. I, I'm not sure how much I'll, how much more I'll have to add yeah. to to it. But I actually I agree with with Dave almost 100 percent on everything mm-hmm. he just said. So yeah, so I, I also agree with Dave on that, and I'll actually go to a different scene where the force is like, what happened? Luke dying, right? So. We sit here, and so how does the force work? It's supposed to keep you alive. You're supposed to be able to use it, you know, gain power or strength or whatever it is that you need at the moment. And so, you know, Luke teleport or, you know, uses himself as an image and everything like that, goes across the galaxy to planet Crate, has interaction with Leia. Not only does he have interaction, he takes the dice from the Millennium Falcon that he saw earlier in the movie, yeah. mm-hmm. hands it to her. It's in her hands physically there. She sees it, although there is a little bit of a kind of a smirk. So I, I wonder even still today... Did she know that that was a force projection, or did she know that he was really there? Because you you think that she's uh you know she can feel her brother right? Mm-hmm. She should have been able to feel that he wasn't there right? right. So yeah. so you know yeah. and, and there's a little bit of a smirk if you watch it again like when he hands her the dice she has this little smirk and the smirk is like well he had she has the dice that her husband had or the smirk of Luke's not really here but he's about to do something pretty awesome mm. and you know so he it it takes a lot of this energy for him to create this character this this illusion that he's there. Not only can she see him, everybody can see him. You know, even in C-3PO interacts with him. And, you know, Luke just, you know, smirks him, keeps walking. And then he goes out and he sits there and he has this battle with Kylo Ren, you know, Ben Solo. That is, it's a very short battle, right? Yeah. But it's very technical. I mean, he's, the dude is like driving around and ducking. Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. barely getting cut in half. Mm -hmm. Stands up, does it again. And, you know, and then obviously Kylo Ren does slice through him and nothing happens. And he puts his lightsaber in. But so so we see this whole battle, and obviously he's there to, he's literally using himself to be the decoy so everybody can escape. Right. So that way mm-hmm. the spark can get away and, and live, right? <laughs> and and you know, and we also see another character development of Poe, and Poe's like, you know, there's got to be a way out here. And Leia's like, why are you looking at me? Follow him. But the whole time there's this force he's using it. So can he use the force to create this illusion? Obviously we have that expanded universe that's in the Jedi code book that it was written. Yeah. And then he <laughs> mysteriously just disappears. And, you know, obviously we know he dies, but he mysteriously disappears. And so everybody's questioning, like, he shouldn't have died. He didn't need to die. But the reality is, is he spent a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. First off, he cut himself off from Force completely. He wasn't even there for the entire movie in the Force, as yeah. Ray mentioned. Like, I, you're cut off from the Force. I don't see you there. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, boom, he's back into the Force. So he's used a lot of energy to cut himself off. Now he's using a lot of energy to put himself back into it. So... I felt like that his his death, you know, dying at the end was justified, and it was a peaceful death too. Yeah, you know, and Ray mentioned it to Leia, like I felt him, you know, it, you know, he he was at peace, right? And and I think that's that was what we were intended to get the whole time was that mm-hmm. he obviously was not at peace. That's why he left, looked for the first Jedi temple. He wanted to die. He's clearly not at peace with what he's done, with what's happening with Ben Solo, and then he's you know back into it to help you know create the decoy. And all the energy that was used to help sustain that image, that illusion, 
you know, obviously has left him and, you know, the force is leaving him or he's leaving into the yeah. force at this point. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those, like, this is a different perspective of the force. Obviously, we all agree about the Leia scene and we didn't like it wasn't visually there. You know, there, it, it wasn't quite justified. Um, but this is another sequence where I thought it was an excellent use of the force. And again, how we don't understand it, you know, and we yeah. still don't, you know, Yoda disappeared into the force. He comes back as the force goes, um, you know, but Anakin or, you know, Anakin uh, Skywalker didn't disappear into the force, but we see him as force ghost and Qui-Gon Jinn didn't disappear in as a uh, force ghost or didn't disappear into the force, but we see him in the cartoons as a force, force yeah. ghost. So, you know, there's, there's things and, you know, we saw, uh, Ben Kenobi, you know, did he disappear into he the force disappear. or not? Yes, or did. did a lightsaber yes. hit him? Well, you know, and, and well, so it's, it, it, it's it, cause the timing <laughs> of it is the lightsaber hits him as yeah. he disappears or because the lightsaber hit him, he disappears. So, you know, there, there's always going to be that argument for a little bit, but right. so there, there's you know, obviously there's uh, we don't understand the force per se, and I mm-hmm. really liked how they use that of Luke, you know, <clears throat> using himself as a decoy, exerting all his energy, the rest of his life, if you will, what he has left to help them escape, so that way evil does not win on that day. Um, right, they live to and, fight another and day. And this is this is a big part of what I love about Luke's arc is. The fact that he he is cut off from the force. The fact that he did he did actually just cut himself out from the force. That's something that's always been fascinating to me. Uh, not necessarily in thinking about Luke's character, but in thinking about other characters in the uh, Star Wars universe that we've seen uh, abandon the Jedi Order. Um you know, thinking specifically of Ahsoka Tano near the end of the Clone Wars series. And uh, one of the things that I love about what we see, the projection that we see of Luke at the end, is that it's the parallel to Obi-Wan at the end of A New Hope. The whole point of that fight with Darth Vader that Obi-Wan is having at the end of A New Hope is so everybody else can get away. So he's sacrificing himself for everybody else. And Luke, at the end of this movie, is doing the exact same thing. He's doing it in a different way. He's doing it in the best way for him that he can be at peace with. Mm-hmm. Escape is and not his plan. I must face him alone. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's and one of the things that I, I think that the thing that I love about the way this movie approaches the force is the fact that it does bring it back to a spiritual component, does bring it back to a mystical component that got lost with the prequels and the idea of midi-chlorians and all that stuff. Um, And the fact that everybody is... The whole idea that anybody can be force-sensitive. You don't have to be a trained in cloth Jedi to be Force-sensitive. But, and you don't have to have the blood of a Jedi, you know, you don't have to be related to a Jedi or anybody, a Force user, a known Force user, to be able to feel this Force. Mm-hmm. You know, and in that way, that's that's where the aspect of the Jedi religion comes into play. And the, the idea of a religion's existing around the force with the Jedi and the Sith. And that's that's one of the things I love about this movie is that it really does bring it back. And and I I love the uh 
you know, a lot of people have problems with the uh, humor and stuff like that in the scenes with Luke and Rey. And I kind of, I get that. I get that. It's, it's very uh, disarming. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Every time I saw the uh, scene where, the first scene where he has her on the rock and he, ha- he has her reach out and she literally reaches out. Like, I absolutely laughed at that because it's like, and he, he says, it's like, yeah, everything you know about the Force is wrong. And the whole idea is, it's like, you don't know about the Force. And it's like, let me tell you what the Force is. And, and the, he goes back to what Obi-Wan and Yoda taught him about the Force. And it's like, it's not just about wielding laser swords. It's not just about moving rocks, rocks and all that yeah. stuff. It's about an energy that connects everything in the universe. And I feel like that's one of the things that uh that that's one of the things that this movie brought back to the idea of the force. And that's one of the things that I love about it. Uh with this section we do have to mention in addition to the huge amount of uh energy and the projection that Luke uh brings to the of himself at the end to face off against Kylo Ren, there's these this whole um dialogue and interaction that goes on between Kylo Ren and Ray uh throughout the movie. Oh yeah. That um that Snoke is initiating using the force but is is feeding off of them and feeding off of their feelings about one another and that's one of the and it it goes to one of the things that i i think that is important about it is that it's it's bringing new ideas to our understanding of the force that we didn't necessarily have before and i think i think we i think there are other moments that in the cartoons and stuff like that and i'm sure there are some in the books that probably have similar ideas as to what Ray and uh, Kylo Ren uh, go through in this movie as far as the uh, connection and the interactions they have. But um, I can't really think of any right now. Yeah, in in the book, I mean, there's... In the expanded universe, obviously now that's the the legend stuff, um, there's a couple moments of it, but there actually there's not many. Um, And the the only one in particular that comes in mind is uh, uh, in the expanded universe... uh, Hanalei have uh, three kids, and their youngest kid is Anakin Solo, and his best friend, her name is uh, Tahari, and they have a connection like this, but they're both Jedi, they're both trained Jedi, Tahari ends up uh, kind of falling to the dark side tempor- you know, temporarily, and then she comes back, but uh, that's the only one that I could think of in the books, honestly, and it's it's not drawn out in near as much detail as the the mm-hmm. uh, the Rey and, and Ben Solo of, of the, the the movie Last Jedi, so that, that's the only one I can come any other uh, any other uh, thoughts on that? Not at this point in time. No. Okay. Uh, well, in that case, um, let's let's move on to uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. Uh, easily one of the most uh, controversial decisions, I think, safe to say, in the Last Jedi, which is the idea that we don't really learn much of anything about him and. Uh, he is summarily executed by uh, Kylo Ren. And so we may never learn anything about him. 
I do know that uh, they they do expand on him in the book, don't they? Yeah, they they do expand a little bit on him um, in the book itself, The Last Jedi, as well as um, there's mention of a leader in the end of the uh, Aftermath trilogy, uh, which you don't know who it is until we meet Snoke. um, And and it's still only assumed at this point that the leader is Snoke, but I think it's safe Mm -hmm. to say that it is. But uh, yeah, there's just a... As a matter of fact, this uh, the scene where uh, Ray and um, Ben, you know, Kylo Ren, are, are walking into his um, chambers. That before that sequence, there's a, a brief kind of couple, you know, a couple pages about his past, and uh, his past is, you know, the the whole thing of the Empire. Emperor Palpatine's last thing was if he died, that the entire Empire would he would completely collapse, and that's where the aftermath trilogy kind of comes in is. He designed it that if the Empire ever fell, if he failed, if Darth Vader ever failed, that the entire Empire would completely fall as well, <coughs> and then the First Order would be reborn, and that's kind of where Jakku comes in in this. Um, and Supreme Leader Snoke is like, you know, the, the Emperor didn't see that he would be the leader of the First Order, mm-hmm. that is this guy that kind of comes from nowhere, and we still know where he comes from, but just this guy of how he would kind of stumble upon it and, and take it by the reins and run with it. And that's exactly what happened. Is That's literally like all that we know, and that's what he's done is, Somehow this dude named Snoke is the supreme leader of the entire First Order. Where did he come from? Where's his background? We still don't know, um, but it is mentioned that you know it was complete shock that this guy would come and take over this entire thing that right. the, the Emperor had designed to kill off the Empire to be reborn into the First Order. So um, you know, I, I reserve the right that I am excited that they didn't have him, that they killed him off because that's what books are for, to elaborate on where okay. this stuff came from. And I yeah. obviously, as you guys know, I love books, but... Um, I felt like it was a, per, a, a great that he needed to die because his character was there to provoke Ben Solo, Kylo Ren into developing into an evil person. Mm-hmm. And we've got this character now that is truly strong in the force because he killed Snoke. We saw how powerful Snoke was being able to control Rey and, and bring her forward and, you know, can mind control her and get what he needs. And, you know, and she runs after him with uh, Kylo Ren's lightsaber and he just kind of flicks her like she's a fly and she falls off, you know. He, so he's clearly strong. You know, he's able to pull down Hux as a projectionist on a different Star Destroyer, just like Darth Vader could choke somebody from a different Star Destroyer. Yeah. Um, but, you know, his his whole character is to really just help develop Kylo Ren into this bad person and, mm-hmm. and like, really just develop him into, you know, he's supposed to be bad, and we still see that Kylo Ren is not bad. I mean, he has moments of weakness where he can't kill his mom, he could kill his dad, um, you know, stuff like that. But I enjoy that, you know, finally at the pinnacle Kylo Ren kills him, so Kylo Ren now is the bad guy, like mm-hmm. really strong in the force. But he was also trying to get Ray on his side, which obviously did not work out. And um, so it was one of those that his character needed to die. I, I don't feel like we needed to know more about him. And you can go argue about Emperor Palpatine. You know, he, it's just all of a sudden in Empire Strikes Back. Here's this guy, Emperor Palpatine, that controls yeah. Darth Vader. Well, where did he come from? Who is he? And we don't have any of that at all until the prequels come around, which are terrible. <laughs> and, and, you know, so we had an entire trilogy to, to develop who is Emperor Palpatine. So we're not going to have a trilogy to develop who is General Snoke or Supreme Leader Snoke. Like, yeah. we don't need that. It, his character is so small and has such a small role in the overall plot so far, what we got in the movie. But his character is there to develop Kylo Ren, who is the main protagonist of this new trilogy. Um, so I, I was okay with the way he died. And, and, mm-hmm. I, and I like that he was tricked, you know, like... You know, he, he's so strong in the force, he thinks that he could see that Kylo Ren is, you know, going to strike down his enemy, and, you know, which he did. His enemy, yeah. though, was Snoke. So it was kind of, again, the force being 
you think you know, but you don't know it because mm-hmm. Snoke thought that Kylo Ren was going to strike down his enemy, which we thought was Ray, which was not true. So, Ron, well, you have something? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I have, I have my own issues with that scene where Snoke is killed off, you know, very unceremoniously because it's like I was saying earlier. This movie just seems to want to subvert your expectations just simply for the sake of subverting your expectations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not doing it in a way that feels earned or organic. I'm sorry. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, Abby's going to say earned. He's going to say organic. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting on, on organic. I thought organic was going to be first this time, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, you're lucky you're on my side. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Like, I. Here's, 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 I get, I get where Daniel's coming from. I can appreciate his arguments. Um, I can appreciate where Daniel's coming from, but I just, again, it just, it just, it just feels like it was handled so in such a clunky way that the, the, it didn't, that it didn't make sense to the story. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Not. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, the, the more I think about it, just, Zack Snyder S just keeps coming up. It's just, you know, I, when I, I, I used to, Zack Snyder used to be a a guy that I thought really, you know, had, had potential. I I think he still does. You know, when you, when you, when when you see his movies, you're disappointed. Then when you hear him talk about it though, you're like, Oh, well, you know, that all kind of makes sense. It's just, you know, it's just, he couldn't bring it to screen the way, the Mm -hmm. way that it needed to be. Uh, And, and so it's just, you know, it's, it's just, the skill set doesn't match the ambition. I, I think in some, in, in, in some cases, uh, and I, I just kind of I get the <laughs> I get the same same feeling here. Yeah, I, again, you know, I, I I didn't need Snoke to be in uh, another another Star Wars movie. You know, I it, it's fine that they killed him off. Definitely felt like it was, you know, just just transparent. You know, yeah, and and and, and, and where that was happening, and it was more for a shock value than it, exactly. I mean, Thank you. You know, just just. Wasn't wasn't done, you know, in 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 a way that felt organic. You know, and so and so it's it's fine. You know, story wise, again, needed to die, but man, yeah, you know, I wish I wish it could have been done a little a little bit better. Yeah, you know, um, um, were you wanting to see an old man run around with a lightsaber though? Uh, or, I well, mean, uh, like, no, I, no, no, for? yeah, and uh, you know, and what's up with his outfit, by the way? Yeah, that that's why I was curious about. It's like it's like with this Hugh Hefner thing yeah, he's got going yeah. on. Because yeah. because we we did have a like an old guy with a lightsaber in uh, the last prequel movie. Yeah, like, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, 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 with yeah. Uh, Darth you know, Sidious. Yeah. yeah, I mean it wasn't wasn't hideous, but you know was was I didn't necessarily need to see it's that again. It's treason. Uh, but but yeah, I mean that, that's that's part of we we have the two sides. You know, the, the part of it's like, well, what, what did you want to see? Well, you know, I don't I, I don't know. But you know, I'm I'm paying to to see, you know, I'm supposedly a master storyteller. You know, in in you know talking about you know a, a big property, right? And you know, I well, I was I didn't necessarily get what I paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thank you, Dave. No, that that and the thing is, it's like I I certainly understand point where, counterpoint. I I certainly understand where both of both of you guys are coming from. I I would uh, I mean all all three of you. I certainly understand where you're coming from. I I will say that I feel like I do feel like um, Snoke's death and the way it happens I feel like fits into the uh, theme. Uh, I I do think there's a lot of arrogance when it comes to 
people's ideas of the Force in this movie, especially when it comes to Snoke and Luke, I think that's a parallel idea that is being paid off because Snoke thinks that Kylo... And, and it's towards... It's about Kylo Ren. Because Luke thinks that Kylo Ren's future is already made, so he's going to kill him. Snoke thinks Kylo Ren's decision is made, but he doesn't realize that Kylo Ren's decision is to kill Snoke. And so I think I think there's I think there's an arrogance that comes from uh, people who are who think they are uh, who 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 see themselves as sort of larger than life because at the same time when when Luke is uh running you know Luke mentions that it's like oh I was Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight and leader you know destroyer the dark side and it's like he he bought into the myth about himself and Snoke is kind of buy, buying into his own ideas of himself as this this powerful character along similar to what Palpatine was but in fact he's he's just as blinded by his, his arrogance in the future and how he sees the future as Luke is and so and one of the key thing key points of dialogue that I've felt whenever I've seen the past couple of times I've seen Last Jedi is earlier when uh after Hux is told Snoke about uh being able to track through light space Kylo Ren is coming into the uh throne room and Snoke is saying give it's something about giving giving a uh it, it's something about giving a wild animal like it it's I can't remember what the exact line is he was referring to like you know do you want to know why I keep a a, a low life around or something is because the because if you mold them properly, you know it's a powerful, sharp tool. Yeah, is what you're yeah, referring to. Yeah. So. And we think we we almost, and to a certain extent, in that in that moment, based on what we know of that moment, we think he's talking about Hux, but he's also talking about Kylo Ren and how he sees Kylo Ren. That's that's one of the things that I think is interesting. It's like I don't need to know more about Snoke. I thought I did. I I like the idea when before. We started seeing ads for Last Jedi before more started to come out about the movie. I was actually hoping hoping that we would get sort of parallel stories of Luke training Rey and Snoke training Kylo Ren, and that's sort of how the yeah. structure would happen. I remember thinking, um, I remember and thinking that yeah. would be a really cool idea. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not what I got, and yes, I'm a little, oh man, I'm a little disappointed by it, but I. Ultimately, not disappointed by what he got. Um, in the end, I I feel like you know, Snow. I I will say that uh, you know, ultimately the end game of having the character of Snoke in there is to make Kylo Ren the powerful antagonist that he needs to be for the remainder of the franchise, the series, the trilogy. So uh, that's that's sort of where I view uh. Snoke's place in uh in the story before so after that um let's let's talk we've already we've already touched on some of the themes of the movie and we we've already talked about some of the ideas of the movie uh let's let's go ahead and uh 
we haven't really touched on any of the uh, other characters. We we basically been dealing with uh, Luke, Leia, Kylo Ren, Ray, and uh, Snoke, and Luke, and we haven't we haven't really touched on any of the other characters. Let me open the floor because the the next section we have we'll talk more about Finn and Rose, um, because it's the main thing that they have in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, Poe Dameron and, uh, his, his arc in the movie. I've had some fascinating discussions from, with, uh, people on the movie. And one of the things that people, people seem to feel about Poe is that his character sort of takes a step back from where he was in Force Awakens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I I don't necess but I don't necessarily feel that I I feel like he's his character is basically the same character that we saw at the end of Force Awakens. He was hotshot pilot. He was good what he did, but I never really got the feel that he was established much as a leader. I I always felt like he was just a he he was a pilot. And he didn't really, you know, he he did what he did well, and he didn't really lead people to be better. And I think that's that's one of the things that the opening sequence in the movie really starts to hit home, especially with Leia's reaction to what he's done, is the idea that he's not a leader, that he thinks he's a leader, and he equates heroism with leadership. It in a big part of his arc throughout the movie is trying what does that mean for how how does he get from being just a hotshot hero to being an actual leader that Leia can say at the end is like <coughs> well follow him. Why are you looking at me? And uh I I so I, I don't feel like the characterization of Poe's necessarily taking a step back. I will say I do think Ryan Johnson amplified uh, his his persona in Force Awakens to where he's kind of more obnoxious than he was in Force Awakens, but I feel like that was that ultimately had a uh, thematic point to the movie as well. Go ahead, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think uh, amplified is, is a good word to use there, Brian. I, and I, I think the amplification of his personality was probably pretty jarring for people, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and that's, you know, so, so it's may- maybe the complaint um, that, that it's a regression is a little bit more of the, the jarring plus some of the obnoxiousness, you know, mm-hmm. um, and makes it makes it feel as if it's if it's just a regression there. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I think for for me, his, his arc was probably the most transparent of the arcs. You kind of kind of knew where he was going to end up at the, at the end of the movie based off of kind of where he started. Um, you know, uh, I I think he's you know he has a lot of blood on his hands by the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so I'm not you know I'm I'm not entirely sure about that sort of character story choice. Um, but uh, you you know I, the the whole the whole movie felt a lot a lot more contained. You know than you know it's than like a sort of a big. <laughs> Yeah, you know, sort of space battle and jumping all everywhere, and you know, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So, um, and 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 so it kind of so Poe, you know, at the same time when he was kind of obnoxious in his personality, 
he, he, he almost kind of didn't feel like he had a whole lot to do during the movie. You know, yeah. just, I, I, I don't know. I just kind of did, I, I kind of felt like he, he was, he, he did more and was more in, in, in The Force Awakens. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I, I think the actor did a good job. Um, but Oscar Isaac, yeah. Yes. Uh, but uh, I don't think, uh, you know, his, his story didn't, his, his arc really didn't do anything for me. It was not typical, but, you know, not, not necessarily surprising. Um, and, and just because you asked about characters, I just want to knock out, like, what's, what's his name, Benicio Del Toro? Yeah, uh, which yeah. we'll we'll get we, to we, we'll get to him. We'll, okay. we'll get JD. to this character next. Okay. JD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. DJ. 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 Yeah. 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 My bad. Which, okay. We'll yeah. we'll get to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll get. Yeah. I mean, I don't have much to say, but yeah, I, I don't know if you want to <laughs> knock out all, all the characters at once. But so unless someone wants to go else. I don't know. I you, you'll you'll edit out all these long silences. Once oh yeah. Not. Okay. I'll, I'll work right. on all of this. Yeah. In editing. Thanks. Okay. Appreciate that. I, I don't know I uh, when, when, when that's the thing when I when I think of Poe I think I think speaking of like you want to knock out another you want to kill you want to kill two characters with one stone whenever any, you know I think of Poe in Last Jedi I just think of the mess that is Poe and Admiral Holdo mm-hmm, the yeah. Laura the Laura Dern character yeah, yeah that was gonna be the other character that I brought up I was gonna say like I I, I was gonna say like I we could we could we could almost kind of like combine them two and in, into yeah. one conversation yeah because because totally. they they both are central to the same arc yeah and yeah that's absolutely true yes uh I you know and th- that's that's the thing it's like it's it does strike you as it does strike me as odd it like like it struck a lot of people that well she wouldn't just tell people what's going on yeah no, especially like this commander type top pilot dude i mean yeah you know it's really but the fact of the matter is it's like i i do think and and this is where it makes sense that they sort of amplified his his arrogance and his feeling of himself as a hero who, you know, equating heroism to leadership is the fact that it's like he basically just decimated their fighting force mm-hmm. in, in this stunt that he pulled at the beginning of the movie. And so has he earned the trust of somebody like Holdo to be told? What's going on? Yeah, that feels like a stretch. <laughs> I mean, I, but the fact of the matter is, it, it's, I, I, I it's feel not you that though. much of a stretch, I don't think. Well, yeah, for you, but I feel you. <laughs> I feel I you. I don't think it's that much of a stretch. I mean, I, I do think that, you know, there, there's a certain, he lost a lot of trust yeah, among, you know. like, Leia, among other people in the Resistance. Mm. I mean, so I do think that he, he had to, earned back that trust and he wasn't really doing it. So it kind of makes a, it's, it is still hard to imagine that like she would keep that plan secret for as long as she did. But at the same time, I, I, I kind of feel like I understand why she did and why they did. And part of it is plot mechanics. Part of it is just natural plot mechanics of a movie because if you have this, if if you break it too early, well, this is what our plan really is. <clears throat> you're diffusing a lot of the tension right, right, in right. the movie, and I think that's that's, 
and and so I do think that's uh, that's part of. I think there's it's it's not just from a uh, from a thematic standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint. Yeah, I understand why it doesn't make sense, but from a simple plot narration standpoint, I understand why they did. Right, and and I'm hoping it's not just a simple plot narration thing because that would be kind of cheap in my mind. But is is is, <laughs> is, is, is the book? <laughs> does that provide any more context? No, because it's it's, it's it's a very frustrating thing when, when you're watching the movie. You're just like, I mean, people have already died. More people are dying. Why, why not just talk it out, you know? So, I know, it does, <laughs> you know? does get to the forward Because skills. talking never got anywhere. I mean, um, it, actually, in the book, there's actually not a lot that's more elaborated on this. Uh-huh. I mean, um, so honestly, and I know we're going to get to a minute, but there's a lot more elaboration on the Canto Bite scene, which mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of issues there. <laughs> uh, for some people, but I, I think you know, kind of you know what Brian was saying that is if if you tell them too early, here's what the plan is. Well, then you have character development elsewhere that gets ruined because you know obviously we're gonna get to Rose and Finn, but there's huge character development there mm-hmm. in Canto right. Bite. So if 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 Holdo tells yeah, here's what we're doing. We're trying to get closer to the planet so we can jump in these ships. We're gonna go in these ships that are decoyed through bafflers, which are created in another book, which is another you know uh, Cobalt <laughs> Squadron. Actually, under you, you understand how the sh- the small shuttles were able to escape detection originally is through bafflers that uh, Rose creates. But um, you know, if she says, "Hey, we're leaving, we're getting closer to the planet, so we can jump in these shuttles, so we can shuttle down to the planet." Meanwhile, our last cruiser, the Radius, is going to go off in this direction here, and they're going to follow us, and everybody's going to be great. Then, then Poe would be like, uh, "Hey, Rose, uh, hey Finn, can you come back now? Never mind, we're under control. I screwed up." Yeah, right. That character development there. So yeah. you know, yeah. and, and I agree that. While he did blow up a, uh, you know, a, the the dreadnought, dreadnought. In the beginning, uh, there was so much blood on his hands with that because he didn't follow Leia. You know, they got they got everybody off the planet safe. Right. So literally, all these the the four the six bombers died for absolutely no reason. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. They blew up a, a big ship, right? But how many more big ships did they have? Right. A yeah. ton. Yeah. So you blow up one ship, but you lose your entire bombing squadron. So you lost the heart of what can destroy the ships. Not only that, you lose half of the starfighters, the A-wings and X-wings. Right. So there's a lot of blood on his hands. So, you know, honestly, he got slapped in the face for good reason. He literally oh, yeah. lost oh, yeah. over half yeah. of their oh, yeah. fighting force to blow up one big ship, but puny ship in the overall theme of the, the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, they didn't trust him. I mean, he didn't. He completely went against what they were saying, lost their trust. Is he a hotshot pilot? Of course he is. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of... Um, Han Solo mixed with Luke Skywalker kind of in this character. Yeah. You know, Han Solo is like, I'm going to do it my way because my way is the right way. Even if it is the wrong way, it's still the right way. Right. He's got that attitude, but he's an excellent pilot like Luke. Granted, Luke has a force, and that's how he's kind of a good pilot. But you have this hot shot mentality of I can jump on a starship and I can blow up anything and we're going to win the day. And he did. He jumped in a starship. He blew up uh, a, a dreadnought. They won the day, but they lost half their fleet. Yeah. So it goes back to, yeah, he didn't have the respect that – you know, because he lost it, he doesn't have the trust because he lost it. So there's a lot of character development on him. It's it's actually us learning about how bad of a person he is, and mm. then trying to also create. You know, here's how leaders are formed. You you know, there's a reason why you're supposed to listen to the people above you because they know what's best. And so there's no point telling him why they what they were doing or why they were doing it. And so meanwhile, again, him not having a good character is he sends Rose and Finn to Canto Bite to get a code breaker to you know basically be able to cut off that switch yeah. so they can go in hyperspace. So, right. You know, I think that kind of... And he thinks he's helping, but at the same time, he's, right. he's screwing them even further because if he doesn't do that, 
the first order doesn't catch wind of what they're what the plan actually is right when they're telling rose and uh finn later yeah and so yeah i mean it's it's one of those things where yeah exactly i mean he he's he's a hero in the he he is a hero in what he does in an X-wing, but he's not a leader. Right. He he doesn't really understand the what it means to lead. He doesn't understand what it means to. But when you really think about it, responsible for other people's lives. So. When you really think about it, though, when you add the whole Canto bite subplot to this, yes. Does that not just make this movie even more of a mess than it already was? Okay, well let's go ahead. Because I was because because well, let's I'm, go ahead and start talking about Canto. Because I was gonna say like you know like first of all the audience doesn't know why Holdo Holdo's doing what she's doing. Right. And then you got then you got Poe thinking like oh let's I'll send Finn and Rose to Canto Bite, and well, the that thing- then that ends up being that ends up going absolutely nowhere. <laughs> Well, and and <laughs> and then and then we realize then we realize you know when we get back and find out what Haldo's really up to, there's really there, it really goes nowhere if you yeah. really think about it. I yeah. mean, do you understand where I'm coming from? I absolutely understand. Okay, thank you. Because can't tell by take it away, Brian. Because fundamentally speaking, you're not wrong. Thank you. Oh my God, did we get that on tape? Did we get that on tape? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Later, don't worry. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, this this nobody's ever gonna hear this part. <laughs> I actually agree with you. Um, no, fundamentally speaking, you're absolutely right in that. From a storytelling standpoint, Canto Bite doesn't really add anything because it it it's ultimately a no win scenario that goes nowhere because. It instead of doing what they want to do in getting a code breaker, they'll launch, they'll put them into the the main ship that will disable the tracker for light speed. Yeah, that they're trying to do. They basically give away the entire story of what they're actually doing. Mm. <coughs> I mean, I think this is this is one of the things where a lot of it comes down to plot mechanics. And I feel like a lot of this is based on the plot mechanics of the type of story that Ryan Johnson wanted to tell, which is basically, basically he's he's telling the story of a ship lost at sea. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's like basically okay, I'm it's I'm basically waiting to die. That's basically what the resistance is doing. It that point after they find out that the first order can track them through light speed is that they're doing what they can to survive. There's not a lot of hope for how they can survive. There's a lot of hope throughout this entire movie. I'll, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's, <laughs> does it, does it not feel like there's like this endless stream of like hopelessness going through like this? Well, there's this thread of hopelessness going throughout the whole movie. Okay. It's it been going on for the whole trilogy. A new hope about two siblings, well, no, brother just, and sister. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that the last shot particularly, like there's like this thread of like hopelessness going through. And there's, there's no, you know what I mean? There's, there's almost. Yeah. Yeah. 
I no, it, I mean, I it, 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 I feel, feel it that. feels it feels like it's like well, what what would be the point of doing of doing this going from A to B and doing that and doing, you know it's just I don't know, it, I find that I find that aspect <laughs> of the movie very frustrating personally. Okay, but, but that's that's just me, and I completely understand that. I yeah. I do get why that is frustrating because of the fact that it's it's also it's not what we're used to in Star Wars, and it's like it's another aspect of the movie that we're not used to. Yeah, in Star Wars, and there's like how, there's like how many people left in the Resistance at the end of the movie, Daniel? I think <laughs> it's mean, like ten. Is all enough to make it on the to the Millennium Falcon evidence? So so actually, and that's a good question because so we we believe that the Resistance is what's on the Millennium Falcon, uh, but it's in the book as well. It is. It's not in the movie. Is where is uh, Snap Wexley the whole time, right? Because he he's a big character in the Force Awakens. Not a big character, but you know he, he's obviously a, a fairly strong character. He's the dude with the beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He, he's always he's JJ Abrams, Abrams friends. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a friend friends. of JJ Abrams. JJ yeah. puts him in all his movies. That yeah, that guy, exactly. that guy. I yeah. know what guys you're talking but, about. You know, he was completely left out of this movie. In the book, it's mentioned. You know, um, Poe's like, you know, where's Snap Lex, Wexley when I need him because. Uh, it's at the scene in the book. It's at the scene where Poe's uh, about to, you know, uh, take over the ship. You know, with uh, put Holdo and the pilots are gonna, you know, put yeah. them at gunpoint right. in the in the, uh, in the hangar. Um, and, and he's thinking to himself because uh, the pilots that are with him, with the exception of the uh, Abed Nito guy, the the alien dude, he doesn't know these other guy, the other pilots. So he's kind of just going on a limb, hoping that they're gonna side with him, which they do. But in the book, he's like, you know, where's Snap Wexley at this point when I need him? And he's like, well, he's off on a mission doing what he needs to do to help the Resistance. So, you know, to say the Resistance on the Millennium Falcon is not necessarily a true and accurate statement. That now, you know, the main people of obviously Finn and Poe and Ray and Leia and Chewbacca uh, being on the Falcon, you know, yes, they're the main people of the Resistance, yeah. but that's not it. I mean, they sent out a signal trying to get more people to come join them at Crate. Obviously, that didn't work. Um, but there is a lot more resistance out there. It, yeah. It's just mm-hmm. again, it's there might be little pockets here and there, just kind of like going back to, you know, a, a New Hope, and even you know into the the, the Rebels and clone uh, the the Rebels, where there's pockets of resistance here and there, and, and they band together. But you know, it, it's not just ten or twelve on the Millennium Falcon. So okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think I think this is part of where this is this is part of where it's tricky for Ryan Johnson to to be telling a larger story within the context of this huge saga that has been going over for 40 years versus telling, basically making a movie. And it's like this idea that he has is the idea that the First Order is just about to wipe out, quite literally, the, the main part of the Resistance and basically win the war in mm-hmm. the end in this movie, <clears throat> that's that's a very real danger. Trying to make that suspenseful, trying to do something that will uh, give all of the characters something to do, I think that's that's a tricky thing. And do I necessarily... And that, I think, is ultimately the big uh, thing about Canto Bite and that whole sequence is... A, it gives Finn and Rose something to do. That's it the thing. It gives Poe a little bit of something to do because he's basically in charge of it. But it does also serve a bit more of a purpose because you start to you see a little bit more of the people that the, the Resistance can recruit 
in terms of the oppressed versus the uh, people who are making money off of the war. And that's one of the things that I actually like about this movie. It reminds me of some of my favorite things about Attack of the Clones, where you see this larger part of the world and a larger part of the Star Wars universe that we don't necessarily see before. And and one of the things, and did I necessarily feel like I needed to see, oh, well, where are all the fighters and weapons coming from? Where Where's the First Order and the Resistance getting this? You know, I never necessarily needed to see this, but it, it, it adds texture and it adds a bit more depth to the larger uh, universe. And that's one of the things I like about it. You know, is it is it a silly sequence? Yes. Does it ultimately serve a larger narrative purpose in the larger sense of the universe? No, it doesn't. That's true. But I don't necessarily think that that's ultimately what the point of it was. So for me, I kind of enjoy the Canto Bite scene, but I also compare it, and I've heard a lot of people compare it to kind of the pod <laughs> racer. Now, you know, you, you can say the Fothier scene versus the pod racing scene. Uh, but to me, like, Canto Bite was, you know, the pod racing scene in Phantom Menace was awful. I mean, it was literally there just so they could win money to buy the parts they need to get off the planet and go home happy. And and this this scene here was a little bit more in-depth in terms of they're there to get a code breaker to get off the planet, to get onto a space shuttle, to turn off the trackers so that way they can escape and, you know, not live happily ever after, but, you know, <coughs> get on to the next part of the movie in, in Episode Nine. But uh, I thought it was excellent character development because... What we've seen at this moment in time with Finn is he's trying to run away. He's trying to run away the whole time, force away. He's trying to run away from the First Order. Even mm-hmm. the beginning of the last Jedi, he's trying to run away from the First Order again in the escape pod. And then, you know, that's how he meets Rose. And we don't get a lot of Rose at first, and that's where we understand Rose, you know, uh, more of, you know, she's excited to see the, the Fothiers because her and her sister that died, Paige, you know, their, their planet was uh, taken over by the First Order. And, you know, it, it's always, it actually, their planet was destroyed by the First Order. And they both love the Fothiers, and they want to go there. So you kind of get a background of her, her planet, where they come from, you know, the oppression of the First Order, and again, choking out, just like the Empire did, planets. Um, but then you get, like, the, the rich scene of, you know, Canto Bite, all these rich people, casinos, here's yeah. where the money is, how do they get that money? You know, obviously, they're sitting here wasting this money on playing games. Where are they getting this money from? And so I, I felt like it, it was a good character element of Finn. It was kind of the turning point, and I think the turning point for Finn was... Like, he's so entrapped and so enthused with this planet and the casino and all the rich and the glorious luster of it all. And she's telling her story to him while he's looking to the Fothiers, and he's seeing the child boy get whipped by the master, or almost whipped by the master that's whipping the Fothier. And I think that kind of, like, triggered him. Like, you know, here's where he's trying to run away from everything, but the reality is he never could run away from everything. Mm Because if he runs away from the First Order, he's going to be running into either a low-life system or he's going to go to a political, you know, or to a rich place like Canto Bite and still be disappointed with it. So right. I thought it was good character development on on that. It kind of triggered him. So I think in the, the next movie, just like the end of, you know, actually the end of this movie, instead of breaking off from trying to destroy the cannon, he's going head on into it. It's Rose that saves him. You know, he's finally triggered that he wants to stay and fight. He wants to do what he can. And I think we'll get more of that in episode nine. Um and then you, you get a little, you know, Rose's character is developed a little bit here. I don't think it's I don't think it's developed enough, and I was kind of a little bit let down with her character in the movie. 
Uh, there's a book that her and her sister in called Cobalt Squadron. <laughs> hey, there's always a book. Uh, but th- I think their characters were developed so much in that book, and I read that before the movie came out, that when I saw her in the movie, I was kind of like, oh, this is it. And so I was a little bit let down with her character, although she did have some development. I, I felt like it was she was there literally to aim for the Asian market, like literally just like uh, uh, Donnie Chen from Rogue One. Yeah. Because yeah. The Force Awakens was such a bust in China and, and overseas that for Rogue One, they purposely added in a uh, an Asian background culture with Donnie Chen to help improvise that. And I think that's kind of the same thing here. The reason we have Kelly Tran, Kelly, Kelly Marie Tran was the same concept is let's add in a diverse character from that culture to try and help sell the movie into the overseas market. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I'm all for, you know, doing stuff like that. I mean, we got to be a lot more diverse in our movies and more culturalized in our movies. And, you know, I've kind of enjoyed having more women than the men from the original trilogies. Um, but I felt like her character was poorly developed. And once again, the movie bombed overseas. I mean, it did yeah. better, but it's still yeah. bombed. I mean, yeah. and the all reality is, is, you know, they're trying to do something, but it is unsuccessful so far of two of the three movies, you know, overseas. Well, and, so. and the thing is, it's like the, and I, I don't, but I don't necessarily, I, I think I part, I, it's hard to believe that it would just be it because when you put it that way, it feels very cynical that you have Donnie Yen and uh, what's Kelly, Kelly Marie. Marie Tran, yeah. yeah, in the movie solely to try to cater to this particular market. Um, it does make you wonder though what it it does feel like Star Wars is a uniquely American uh, phenomenon. I don't know. Traditionally, I mean, I, I know there are stories about how premieres and stuff like that have done. I know I know people around the globe absolutely love Star Wars, but, you know, it, 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 I, I hardly, because, I mean, Donnie Yen is absolutely awesome in Rogue One. I can't imagine the film without him. He's absolutely right for that role. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, I, I do think that the, the point of Can- Canto Bite is... It it's it's primarily plot mechanics. It's primarily to give Finn and Rose something to build up their characters uh, that we wouldn't have necessarily been able to get if just having them on the spaceship. Yeah, I I think you know it's it it does. Um, <clears throat> I do agree that I do I do think it uh it's it is something that um builds their characters well and i think it is something that sets up more what we're gonna see in episode nine than uh really having a whole heck of a lot to do in episode eight i'll just quickly say because uh it's getting late and ron's falling asleep uh i'll (laughs) I'll just quickly say (laughs) that uh you know even though i'm someone that didn't necessarily love the movie um a lot of people that don't didn't don't like the candle bite scene at, at all for me I really didn't have too much of an issue with it, um, you know. And for me, I, I kind of felt like the the trajectory of it was some character development it was a little kind of it was a little transparent in that, but you know, fine. Uh, uh, and also, um, you know, the the Benicio del Toro scene where they're showing, you know, the um, where they buy the weapons and stuff like yeah. that. You know, that's that's kind of where the, where the trajectory was going. I know, and so I was fine with that. I mean, you know, the second time around, that's the scene where I use the bathroom. You know, <laughs> but, so, but so but but. You know, I didn't. I didn't have too much of an issue with it as as much as other people uh, did. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I think we basically uh, said a lot of what we need to say about that. So let's let's move uh, quickly to the writer and director Ryan Johnson, uh, who directed previously directed feature film was uh, Brick, The Brothers Bloom, and Looper. Um, this was his first big attempt at a uh, big blockbuster. I mean, Looper was his first uh, stab at science fiction, um, but on a much smaller scale. And uh, I, I do think that uh, I, I love what he did with this movie. I, you know, it's like, yeah, there are things that I can point to that's like, yeah, this wasn't quite as good. We didn't talk about the what feels like a forced uh, r- relationship between Finn and Rose at the end where it's like he she tells him that she loves him and that's basically why she saves him. And it's like that, that, that feels a bit forced. It doesn't necessarily feel like something that the movie earned. And uh, that was, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out at the uh, in episode <clears throat> nine. Um, overall, I I really I I really like uh, his his vision of the movie. I think I I do think there are some interesting uh, choices they made. I like the choices they made for the most part. You know, it I like that he sort of he he doesn't just rely on templates from the original trilogy. I feel like there are some things they found they was able to bring in from the prequels that would. Uh, serve a purpose to uh the story that he's telling here and that's one of the things that i really like about it i am interested to see what he will be able to do without having the uh lofty expectations of telling a story with luke and leia and all these uh iconic characters um i do i do hope that uh he's able to have uh, the freedom to tell a story that is not tangentially connected to this larger uh, nine-movie saga that J.J. Abrams will be uh, concluding next year. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm still, I know a lot of people are kind of hesitant on uh, him doing a trilogy after Last Jedi, and I get it. Um, I will say that I, I, I understand why. I feel like the the hesitation with what he did for with these iconic characters shouldn't necessarily be carried over when he'll be able to do original characters. That's that's sort of my feelings on Ryan Johnson. Ron, do you, you want to go? So, so you can go back to sleep. Oh here. God! <laughs> <laughs> it is so late. Yeah. yeah, let's keep going. Just keep going. Push through. Push through. Yeah, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're, too we're far not from far. We need a Red far. Bull. I got the Red Bull. We need a Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> I might need a Red Bull. I mean, um, here's a, yeah. It's, you you mentioned the three movies he'd done prior to Last Jedi. Yeah. And I realized the only one I'd seen is the is the Brothers Bloom. I tried to watch. I tried to watch uh, Looper. I thought I had shown you Brick. No, you haven't shown me Brick. How would I not show you Brick? Why are you face palming, Daniel? That movie for like three months. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's Daniel's fault. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I I tried to watch Looper, and I fell asleep probably because I started it way yeah, too late. Yeah, we we've talked about that. Um, yeah, so I never saw Brick because of Daniel, and um, 
But I've had Brick for years. The idea that I never showed you Brick is kind of mind-boggling to me because I've always loved it. Have you? Yeah. I I love it because of the fact that it's, it's basically a film noir story, detective story set in a high school. Oh, neat. high school saying. It's really interesting. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the only, so as it turns out, the only other movie I of his I'd seen was... Uh, Brothers Bloom, which was very interesting. Mm-hmm. It did have some good performances from uh, who's it? Mark Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, Adrian Brody, and Rachel Weisz. Rachel Weisz, yeah, she was the girl in the movie. Yeah, and I again, I thought, you know, when I when I when I think about that compare, when I think about that in comparison to Last Jedi, I see a lot of similarities. You know, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Competently directed and acted and all that and everything, but it was a little odd, I guess. Yeah. I guess on purpose. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I apologize. I'm 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 falling asleep over here. We were yeah. is this is super late and yeah, this is really late for us. This is to be doing this. Yeah. So. Are you I well, basically, I mean, like, I mean, my thoughts on Ryan Johnson are. That he is a competent director. Again, I these are all things that came across to me in that documentary. Dave, did you see the documentary? No, or I, I, I did not yet. Okay, no, it's, it's actually really it's actually really interesting watch. Yeah. Um, I'm glad Daniel and I'm glad Daniel uh, made us made us all watch it. Because um, <laughs> uh, because Dan, Daniel's a freak and he had the movie like how many days before the because you you had you had it streaming. I got streaming. It came out on the 13th of March. If you pay for the streaming, so I got that. And the, but the yeah. movie didn't come out until like the 27th. Or something. Yeah, the movie, the, the 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 Blu-ray didn't come out until the 27th. That's when, that's when we find. That's when me and Brian finally got a good look at it. But yeah. and Ryan Johnson seems like a genuinely good guy. Mm-hmm. Like you know, from what from what I saw the documentary, what I heard of the commentary, you know, you know, I. But I do think that like you know some of again some of the choices, some of the decisions were just made for the sake of subverting our expectations or, you know, for, for shock value. So a lot of, a lot of the choices, a lot of decisions did not sit well with me. They, they still don't. Uh, I still have a lot of issues. I may very well be the one in this room with the most issues with the movie. I, I'm actually now realizing this. I may very well be, I may, I may have more issues with the movie than Dave does. Yeah, I, I think you do. I mean, yeah, yeah, I think so. But, and, and and but yeah, so I I have my issues with the movie, but at the same time, it's just a movie. Yes, we don't need to kill each other over this. You know, we're all still gonna be friends after this. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think the the way we've and I I do think the way we've this has been very therapeutic, actually. Oh yeah, well, I mean, that's that's part of the reason. This is this has been very therapeutic. Not quite an intervention. It's not quite the same thing, but the yeah. fact of the matter is, it's it's, it's good to be able to uh, talk about these things. And, yeah, uh, Dave, uh, yeah. do you have anything to say about Ryan Johnson? Just 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 quick. I'm I'm working from some notes here, so so it'll be quick. Uh, I I know we didn't talk about Finn and Rose, but I just thought it was interesting that um, uh, the one thing that people that didn't like the movie, like that they were disappointed and didn't happen, versus a lot of, a lot of stuff that they were disappointed because it did happen, was uh, Finn not dying at the end. 
Like mm. they like they it, it really felt like if they had done that, they would have won some people over. Um, you know, because it, it felt like and it, <clears throat> to me, I thought he was gone. You know, <laughs> yeah. based off the music and what was happening, I thought. And, and when they didn't, I felt uh, I did. I did kind of feel that like that was a cop out. But when I was looking at some of the reactions online, it was, it was pretty strongly that way. Um, I, I did see. I haven't seen Brick either. I know I need to, but I did see Looper, and and I actually love Looper. Um, you know, but I, I you know I can definitely tell there's some storytelling clumsiness in Looper. Um, but and and so I kind of see that here as well. Um, but you know when when they talked about Ryan Johnson doing this movie. I was like, sweet, because, you know, of how much I, I, I love Looper. So, you know, it was weird for me to come away disappointed from it because, because you know, I, I had such a good experience with that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think when you're a storyteller and you're having to do lots of articles and interviews trying to explain yourself, which he has had to do probably at Disney's behest in, in some cases, um, you know, I, I do think that probably means you miss something. Somewhere as a storyteller, you know, you just didn't connect emotionally somewhere. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I feel as if sometimes he is sort of Zack Snyder asking the storytelling. I mentioned that. Um, and, and, and but ultimately, I kind of feel like his his talents were wasted. You know, I kind of feel like I almost I almost wish like that the last scene of this movie was at the end of, you know, the the, the movie that's going to be after after nine, you know, because they're doing. You know, they they did the the Rogue One, and now they're doing Solo. Supposedly they're going to do another movie. You know, after Nine, so I almost almost feel like that that movie. You're giving Ryan Johnson a whole his own trilogy. His own trilogy. I'm just saying, like whatever that it's supposed to be an Obi Wan movie or whatever. You know, but I'm just saying if they had given him maybe that movie to sort of like be a coda to this last trilogy mm-hmm. and and be something different that then initiated some sort of a new trilogy somewhere else and kind of you know kind of reset your palette for something else. I think he would have been a little bit better used there rather than here, you know? Um, and so I almost feel like his talents were wasted by, by doing this middle movie, to be entirely honest. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's that's just kind of how I, I feel there. I can see that. Do you have anything to uh, add, Daniel? Uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I personally thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, most of the storytelling overall, I'd say like 90, 95% was excellent. Uh, yeah, there's letdowns here and there, obviously. I think the the big issue that as I watch as I look at all the movies again as I, I've watched all of them a number of times obviously we all have but like so you've got you, you have J.J. Abrams started a new trilogy and he had a story he wrote the story for you know the Force Awakens he had his perspective of where he thought the story was going to go I thought he was going to write more of nine and then what he did and actually from what I'm reading is he didn't have actually hardly anything in, in or excuse me in eight. He didn't have hardly anything written in eight. That it was pretty much all Ryan Johnson, and um, and the other who's the other writer in this one because it wasn't just Johnson. Um, well, no, Ryan Johnson is the only credit. <clears throat> writer okay, on it. all right. I, th- so. I thought there, was, but anyway. So it, it's to me, it was you know, it's hard to you pick up in the middle and you got to copy off. You know, not copy off, but you got to go with the flow of what somebody else had created while still trying to create your own idea, your own movie where you want it or where you think it should go. And then at the same time, you're also handing it off to somebody else who was originally Colin Trevorrow, <coughs> who's now been dropped, you know, and, and obviously JJ's finishing it off. But I think it's it's hard when you're trying to write a, a middle movie of a trilogy and you're trying to incorporate the previous movie, but you're also trying to lead up to what the next movie's going to be. So I think there was some, you know, a little bit of difficulty there. <coughs> um, I, I'm thoroughly excited after seeing this movie, though, about him having his own trilogy, which 
uh, you know, I, I found out about a month or so ago that he's writing the trilogy. He's he's completely writing the whole trilogy, but he's only directing the first movie yeah. so far. Yeah. Um. He he's uh, from what I've read, he's not signed on to direct the other two. That he's just writing all three. So. You know, I, I actually like that idea of him writing it out an entire mm-hmm. trilogy, so you get to you know the beginning, middle, the end, as well as the beginning, middle, end of each movie, um, while not directing it all, but you at least get to do the entire story arc and storytelling. So yeah, I'm excited about that. Uh, I think you know, obviously the 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 biggest letdown and why some people really despise him in this movie is is uh, probably a lot of the same reasons why people despise R. A. Salvatore, who wrote the Vector Prime from the New Jedi Order, the original book. Or uh, the first book in the trilogy, or in the series, where he kills off Chewbacca, and so many people are rapport about Chewbacca being killed off. And but it, you know, in that book, at some point in time, you know, we've been going on and on with those books that you had to kill off the main character, and Chewbacca was kind of the only person that made sense to. And all the death threats he got after that, and I kind of feel like Ryan Johnson's in the same boat where, you know, he wrote off, you know, he killed off Luke Skywalker, a huge iconic character in this movie, and you know, we all knew that Han Solo was gonna die. Harrison Ford wanted to die back in Empire Strikes Back. So it was only fitting. Nobody was upset. Nobody was, you know, obviously people were sad, but nobody was like right. going to kill, you know, want to kill J.J. Right. Abrams for writing him off because Harrison Ford wanted to write himself off a long time ago. Yeah. So that was mm-hmm. fitting. But, uh, you know, some people not seeing Luke passing this movie, which I kind of didn't really see it either in this one. So, you know, a lot of people have uh, hard feelings against Ryan Johnson doing that. But I, I think he's a competent uh, director, uh, writer, and it was you know, overall well done in my mind. Well, I mean, there are, there are a couple of other uh, there are a couple of other sections I had, but I I feel like for myself, obviously we're all really tired, and I I do feel like with what everybody's saying here, we're uh, at the point where we should be wrapping up. I I will uh, start off. And, Just one uh, question though. Okay. When Luke disappears into the Force, why doesn't his Hand just go like clunk onto the ground. You Your know, guess is as good as mine. You know, I'm just, uh, I'm just it would be a little too comedically absurd at that moment. Okay, because kind of take you out of the moment. This is kind of this has been bothering me. Yeah, uh, so. I, it, I don't know. His hand um, was resting on the rock, so it could have just fallen. We didn't see it. I maybe you know, but I want I want answers. That's Damn it. Okay, um, I'm delirious. I'm no, sorry. That, that, that's fine. I mean, it it's one o'clock in the freaking morning. Yeah. I'm delirious. Okay, uh, which is why we're wrapping it up. I mean, the <laughs> fact that better is, it's like I, you know, and I, I like the way that this is gone. I like the 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 fact that this is it. It's felt like the culmination of something for myself with regards to discussing this movie with everybody. Now we're all gonna go out in the backyard and have a big fist fisticuffs with one yeah. another, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Would that be earned, though, Dave? Would that be organic? Oh, Brian, I think we won Dave over, so now it's three against one. <laughs> no, I, I, first of all, I want to thank all of you guys for. Uh, I'm glad we were able to make the time for this, even though it's really, really late and probably. Later than we should ever record one of these again. Well, I have no choice because I live here, so. Yeah. yeah but. Uh, but I do I do want to thank Daniel and uh, Dave for taking the time uh, from their lives for being able to make this possible, uh, even though it's really, really late at night. I, I will uh, I will close out my personal thoughts with, I, I feel the, some of my favorite uh, discussions about, 
Star Wars and about uh, movies in general have come as a result of uh, The Last Jedi. And there's so much that I feel like I could bring up that I won't because of the fact that it's really late. And uh, <laughs> there's it, it would just keep us going for at least another half hour or so. Uh, but the fact of the matter is I, I absolutely... I love where this movie left off. I love the possibilities of what could be coming up. I feel like while there are definitely some things that, uh, there are some things that I feel like Ryan Johnson could probably done better. I also feel like he, he kind of got a bad rap from a lot of fans for what he did do differently. And I, I don't think he gets quite the, Freddie deserves for bringing uh, a unique voice to uh, this universe. Basically, bring this, bring something new into this, uh, the storytelling in terms of uh, the way he tells the story. And I think that's one of the things that I love about this movie. Uh, it's a stark contrast for me with what we got in the prequel trilogy. Where I there there are things I will defend in the prequels, uh, for always and I'll always enjoy this the prequels to a certain extent because of the fact that I I just love the Star Wars universe, but I feel like there there are more far more egregious mistakes in that trilogy than what Ryan Johnson has here in the uh, Last Jedi, and uh, I I I just. I, I feel like I feel like Star Wars is fresh. I, I feel like there's still uh, room for original storytelling and original thinking in this universe, and that's something that uh, I'm always going to be grateful for, regardless of who the filmmaker is, regardless of whether I like every idea or not, or whether I feel like uh, every idea is earned or not. I, I feel like uh, what Ryan Johnson did in this movie was special. You know, there's certainly, I think we've certainly brought a lot of viewpoints in tonight to uh, show that there there are some uh, things that we can definitely dispute. That I think there are definitely some things that we can criticize about the film, but also I think we can, we've, we, this is probably some of the most civil dialogue I think we've, I've seen about the film to date. And uh, if we can at least bring that much to the discussion on that movie, it's going to be a win-win regardless of whether everybody agrees about the movie or not. Rob? Oh. Back to Frank. <laughs> so closing thoughts? Is that what yeah, you're looking we're for? we're basically doing closing thoughts. Okay. Well, um, my initial... <clears throat> Thoughts and opinions and um, and feelings on the movie remain the same. I I don't quite think it's as ex as extraordinary as, as I think Brian thinks it is. It's uh, I think it's a deeply flawed movie. I think it's again made by made by reasonably talented people and people who people who know what they're doing. But but it's a movie that just got down bogged down. I think too much with too much clunky writing and plot development and you know it, it was it, again just not just not my cup of tea but that's fine it, again it's just a movie mm -hmm. and it's and god knows there's going to be more star wars movies in the pipeline 
that I'll be that you know I'll be able to hopefully enjoy more than this one. Solo looks really good. Uh, you know, um, and then we've got and I I I do have hope for episode nine with with J.J. Abrams back at the helm, but um, again, I'm not as excited going into episode nine as I was going into episode eight. You know, for for obvious for obvious reasons that I've already I've already you know talked about this evening. So anyway, I and I don't mean to be I don't mean to be so negative that I you know I just bring everybody down. But that's kind of like what my part in the discussion here was for tonight. Was I was here to just kind of be the counterpoint to what you know to the people who do think this movie is something special. And I love the you know. People think this movie is special. I love that, you know, I love that Star Wars is getting this new, I love that, you know, there's, there's getting, Star Wars is getting this new breath in it and, and it's, and it's a new audience, you know, opening up to a new audience and all that. And again, I apologize. I'm really tired, but um, I think I'm going to give this to, should I give this to, who should I give this to? Whoever's ready. Whoever's ready with their closing thoughts. Dave. Take it away. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll just again work for my notes here, which um, I didn't, uh, I, I think I basically said everything, but I, I mentioned before, I, I definitely feel like there are many transparent elements to this movie, and I feel like it was kind of self-indulgent in, 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 in a yes. number of places. Just just too much, you know? Um, and, and so, and, and that just kind of came through and just kind of made the experience not that great for me. Um, kind of echoing what Ron said, I mean, you know, I'm, was really excited coming into this movie, but even with J.J. Abrams back at the helm, I'm not necessarily excited about the last, this next one. I'm, I'm almost kind of Star Wars out right now. Um, I know how you feel. I know the, <laughs> trust you know, me. I know. No, I know the feeling. And, and it's like if they don't the do feeling. another one, it's, it's fine, you know. Um, and and that's that's there's, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I hate Star Wars. I never want to see Star Wars. Again. It's not like that. It's, it's much more like you know. It's it's like okay, we're we're good guys. You know, I got I got some movies. I like are we getting too many movies? That's a that's a subject for another podcast, maybe. But but and and you know it's it's also if you're gonna divide up your audience like this, if you're gonna kind of be this divisive with, with your audience, um, just because you're trying to inject new things, there's, there's a risk there. But you know, I know you know they, they bought Lucasfilm for like what four billion or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so you know when when you, when you make that big of a purchase, you're gonna want to get. You know, not just a one X or two X return. You're going to want to get a five, six, maybe seven X return over ten years. And I'm not entirely sure if you're going to be able to do that. You know, you're pissing off large swaths of your audience. But <laughs> but we'll, 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 we'll just have to see. Um, one one of the things I, I did want to mention that I didn't mention before was that um, there's the uh, the BBC version of Sherlock, which I'm not sure if, if a lot of people in this room have watched. Um, but uh, you yeah, mean the one with with Benedict Cumberbatch? Yes, or? yes. Yeah. Uh, they um they, when you hear. Um, Stephen Moffat and Mark Gaddis, the writers for that, talk about it. They talk about saying everything is canon. You know, the the, the previous movies, the books, everything, and they, they try to work that all into the, the 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 BBC version of Sherlock. And so it would, it would have been interesting if they had tried that with this movie itself. You know, to be able to say everything is canon. We're going to try to do everything. You know, or even just just this like next prequel, prequel series. You know. Um, it, it would have been interesting to be to take the extended universe and try to, you know, tweak, rework that, and kind of put everything together and tell a really big epic type story. Um, but you know, that's not what we got. But 
I, I find myself thinking along those lines, you know, to, maybe for a newer, another trilogy or, you know, whatever. But, I mean, that, that probably won't happen, but it's, it's, it's interesting to think that way for me. Um, I think the last thing is that, um, you know, as, as someone who wants to be a storyteller one day, um, I was, I've always wondered if it's possible to betray your audience. Um, you know, is that, is that possible, especially if it's your story, you know? Um, uh, but you know, I think, I think part of what is so abstract about why some people don't like this movie is because they feel betrayed and that's hard to kind of put your finger on and it's hard to explain. Um, and so, you know, when I think about some of my other writers that they're my favorite writers, like, um, Rebecca Sugar, who does Steven Universe or, you know, J.K. Rowling, who did, you know, Harry Potter, they all talked about being influenced by the outside for their for their story um, and, and changing their story because of the way that fans connected with maybe a particular character a particular story moment so emotionally and you know and I, I do think there's, there's some some value to that and so I'm wondering if you know being so self-indulgent is really going to serve you you know in, in, in the long run but yeah I mean ultimately um, I didn't hate the movie as much as Ron <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't love it as much as, as, much as Brian um, you know, and it, def it definitely taught me some some lessons about you know storytelling, uh, in, in 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 the future. So you know, and we'll just we'll just have to uh, you know it, one thing that is interesting is like what's going to happen with nine? What's going to happen with nine? With Carrie Fisher? What's going to happen with nine? Story wise, are they going to try to go back to what the fans want, which is a little bit more backstory? Or are they going to try to move forward with this sort of a new new style? I mean, you know, it's just very interesting what's going to happen there. I'm not excited about it, but I am interested, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Well, well put, Dave. Well, I'm, that's, that's me. I'm done. Okay. Uh, so I remember as soon as I walked out of the theater, uh, you know, we uh, actually Brian, Meredith, and Ronnie were, were walking in to watch their, their show time. Uh, Brian for his second time, Meredith, I think, for his second time, mm -hmm. Ronnie for his first time. And yep. And and I, I remember I said Ronnie you're gonna love it this is a great movie <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said that and uh, I still believe it I, I still believe that Ronnie should love it but he doesn't that's okay um, but I remember texting Brian actually I think it was the next morning I said Brian did did we just see like the next best almost Empire Strikes Back as far as like story goes and and even not so much the visual effects because this is by far better visual effects but just the interaction of the characters within the movie and the subplots that were going on and and I, I still I still, to me, think that this is not better than Empire Strikes Back on, on my list, uh, but it storytelling-wise, overall, with the flaws that it does have, to me, not many. Uh, and Empire Strikes Back has lots of flaws as well, um, but I still feel like this one is, is pretty darn close to Empire Strikes Back in terms of story, where the movie is in the trilogy and where it is going at the trilogy. Although, you know, in Empire, it, it left us on a little bit of a different note, is Darth Vader really Luke Skywalker's father? You know, in this one, or a few cliffhangers we have, is, you know, is Ray really from nobody? You know, from parents from nobody on Jakku, which I don't believe that's true. What, what will happen with Broom Boy? I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think Broom we're Boy... All, we're all in suspense <laughs> about that story. Yeah, I, th I think Broom Boy is there just to show you that everybody can connect and tap into the Force, that it's not yeah. just the just the Jedi or just Jedi blood. But, uh, but I mean, I, I, I'm still excited about this movie. I still love it. Every time I watch it, I still get goosebumps at almost all the same scenes. I mean, Yoda popping up and so real lifelike, just like in Empire Return of Jedi. Um, I'm excited where we're going with the next one, even though we don't know where it is. And, and I'll, I'll kind of leave on this thing as, as I was reading an article uh, just yesterday, as a matter of fact, about, you know, in, in The Force Awakens, we have the vision, you know, Ray has the vision of, of everything she saw, you know, 
it started off with Luke and, and Vader fighting on Cloud City, and then it turned into the the Jedi Temple falling, and she's kind of rolling away from it, and and you know seeing it on fire and Luke there. But then you see the the Knights of Ren over a bunch of bodies in in a rain sequence, and then Kylo Ren goes to attack her, or, or you know they fight in the forest. And it was an interesting article that I read that somebody said, you know, she saw the past, she saw the present, and she saw the future. And in that vision, what was the past, what is the future, and what's the present? We don't know. I mean, we know that Cloud City was the past. We know that the the temple burning up and, and Luke being sad, and, you know, with R2 was the past. We know that now, but, and, and you know, the, the future, one of the things was them fighting in the, the uh, on um, Starkiller base. Yeah. And an inter- the, in the article says, was the future also the Knights of Ren that now Kylo Ren is the supreme leader? Does he have what happened to the Jedi that he took from Luke's academy? Is he not training them in the background somewhere? And now the next part of the movie is Ray training up a few people to take on the Knights of Ren. So it's just kind of like ending on a we don't know what the past we know some of the past, but we don't know all the future. And, and so, you know, we have no idea what's going to happen in episode nine because the way they ended. So. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, I'm not let down with how it'll finish, um, you know, and, and there's gonna be a ton more Star Wars movies, so there's gonna be a lot of ups and downs in them, you know, uh, so we'll see, we'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm, I'm excited at the moment, though, so. Yeah, and the, uh, all, all of these uh, summations have basically shown just how much we weren't able to cover tonight. I mean, we, we could've, if we could've covered everything this, this, podcast would be about four hours long um and uh none of us are really up for that right now <laughs> but uh the fact of the matter is i think we covered a lot of ground i think we uh had some interesting discussions here i think we uh all got our uh opinions out in a way that is respectful of not only those opinions that we hold but also those that our friends hold and um I I would like to thank once again Ron, Dave, and Daniel for uh, taking part in this, for uh, being a part of the Sonic Cinema podcast. It's always great to uh, be able to talk to them about movies, and I hope and I don't think this will this will certainly not be the last time any of them are on there on here. I uh, I'm really grateful for their friendship and all of the experiences we've had with uh, movies. And I'm looking forward to. Uh, the ones we have in the future. With that being said, on behalf of Ronnie Haynes, Daniel Green, and David Miles, thank you very much for joining us. This is uh, Brian Scuttle for the Sonic Cinema podcast, which you can listen to at sonics-cinema.com. Also, check out patreon.com backslash sonicsinema. And uh, thank you very much. Until next time. (laughs) 